And we're on. Hello, John. Woo, first podcast. <laughs> my first podcast. Yeah, so and this is my friend, John Caulfield. Uh, we used to be flatmates in Glasgow. Um, and this is just our catch up. Because <laughs> we've, so we've not this, talked for months. No. If this is a podcast about um, AI technologies and stuff, and I am not probably one of your... Uh, <laughs> a similar kind of clientele as your previous guest so it probably won't be as technical and it'll be a bit less a bit less formal <laughs> yeah don't worry um i mean you know just pretend no one's listening which is kind of true because yeah. i don't have any viewers anyway <laughs> <laughs> it's not like you have a joe rogan audience yet is it? <laughs> no 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 not yet um, um what's got how, how are you keeping i haven't seen you a few um, months during cardiff I'm I'm very good. Yeah, I'm in Cardiff now. So I've been in Cardiff for like two months and mm. I've been just kind of trying different things. I've got so I've got about 160 books in my living room downstairs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've got 160 books that I got from like Facebook Marketplace that I got for free and uh, charity shops and that kind of stuff. Gumtree, you know, everywhere, basically books I got for free. Here, here's, a, here's a difference between me and you because you know the willpower book that you got me? I yeah. still haven't even fucking finished it. <laughs> <laughs> Have you started it? I did. I, I read yeah. three quarters of the book in one day or one and a half days and then I just stopped. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that sounds I like, like you. <laughs> that does sound like this. Yeah. Jeez, 160 books. So what have you just literally been reading like a monk for the last two months? No, no. So see, so that's the thing. So I've got those books and I'm going to sell them on Amazon. So that's what I'm going to do. So you ask how I'm going to pay my bills. That's how I'm going to pay my bills. I'm going oh, around the city. So that, is that like is that your your version of what was what was it you were wanting you're wanting to flip things you're Flipping, wanting to yeah you're, yeah 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 <laughs> I, I flipped some clothes as the... well so i i was also walking around like charity shops buying clothes selling them on ebay but because my account is new i have a limit of 10 listings so uh you know i basically ran into a limit of 10 listings so i was like you know what i'm gonna do next uh, you're buying clothes from a charity shop and selling them for a profit <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose you, in that case you are the charity as much as they are <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean you know I'm, that's, that's the good thing about it you know the money goes to charity as well yeah, but yeah. you know we'll see so far I've only lost money on it uh, <laughs> but it we'll sounds like a great business idea <laughs> and are you so are you, you're not going, are you going back? You're not going back to software engineering or anything like that at all? Uh, maybe later, maybe later, <laughs> you know, cause I was, well, cause, cause I was like, I've, it's just like, I was like, what's the quickest way to make money? Cause I don't have a source of income. You know, you remember that. So I was mm -hmm. like, you know, what's the quickest way? And I thought, you know, I will try this. Well, also, if whatever, whatever, whatever floats your boat, it's definitely <laughs> a definitely a bit left field. Jesus, if I like, you, but do you not like? It's funny you say that, right? Because like I have, I've been unemployed obviously since I left Glasgow as well, and mm -hmm. like I, I've really hated not working. Um, I've really like really hated not working and not 
because working gives me a sense of purpose and a sense of conviction mm -hmm. in the morning up and and, and <laughs> I have you sound like to... me right now <laughs> but, that, but it's true I have I haven't been able to find an alternative and I was talking to one of my friends yeah. about it so it was actually like it was it was affecting my mental health um and like I was like I became quite depressed and very irritable and like chewing my nails and smoking cigarettes and binge eating chocolate and everything else um <laughs> and it's coming into the winter now what the fuck am I going to do and there was like obviously in the midst of a pandemic with so much there's so much competition for jobs mm -hmm. some of the jobs I was doing on like LinkedIn and stuff there might be like a thousand applicants or whatever 800 applicants and I was like fuck this how am I <laughs> going to compete with that um but then I was talking to one of my mates only on what day is today today's Thursday I got offered a job Tuesday so Monday uh was it Monday Tuesday Monday, one Monday or Tuesday, I can't remember. The days are all merging into one. Um, and I was chatting to him on Monday for like two hours, and we were talking. He's like, so he would be from, uh, say for instance, to go back to the his the Myers Briggs, he would be a ISTJ, um, mm -hmm. and he would be, and on the, the five factor model, he would be. I think he scored in the top five percent in terms of conscious top five percentile in conscientiousness. Mm. So I was trying to get practical advice for him in order to how to be more conscientious because I was explaining to him how I mightn't apply for jobs for two weeks but then the day before we were chatting I applied for over 220 jobs so he was like why wow. can't you just like have a routine and just do a little bit each day and yeah. you know be a creature of habit and I, and I was like buddy I'm really struggling with being conscientious like I was <laughs> like and then like you know I, I've been googling like I've been googling genuinely like um I like I, I ramble quite a lot so but you so you put me on to Jordan Peterson mm -hmm. and it's and it, like Max genuinely I, I I have obviously I don't necessarily agree nor disagree with everything he says but I think he's an incredible antidote to what the, the a lot of the indoctrination that I would have been exposed to through mm -hmm. the medium of university and third level education particularly I was in humanities so I studied human resource management in a business school in Ireland and he talks about how since the city life has always been hard and it's always been shit. Mm -hmm. Like if you look at the history, only in the last 60 years, whatever, 50, 60 years, have we um, become obsessed with rights and privileges as opposed to struggle and responsibility. Yes. And, you know, I have kind of, I suppose I, I have allowed myself over the course of why well, I'm 27 now over the last number of years to leave jobs when it got difficult or to move to a different city or to drop out mm -hmm. of college and stuff because it got difficult due to a lack of kind of perseverance and conscientiousness, but not to absolve myself of responsibility, but not in any way, shape or form, because I'm really, I'm trying, that's the one thing I'm trying to take now is actual responsibility. But I kind of, I suppose, everything that with the kind of, everyone says to you, oh, it's fine. I said, look, things are hard and it's okay that you give up on that and stuff. But you yeah. know what, maybe it's not like, you know, it's important to persevere and to have that conscientiousness in order to have to like you know to have to become goal orientated and to have those goals to get you through the, the harder darker times and stuff so um going back to jordan peterson he's been a breath of fresh air um when he's talked about the uh, a lot of things but particularly that's the one that's really spoken to me about the lack about country the importance of conscientiousness so he said the four mm -hmm. factors in terms of traditional career success so there's very few the number one is general iq general intelligence so it's 
I've done my IQ before. I think it's somewhere around 135. So I know it's well really? above average. Yeah, that's quite, yeah, it's about yeah, quite in the gifted range. That was on a proper a proper test before. I paid like a 10 or yeah, I was like 19 at the time, I think. Mm-hmm. And I know that general intelligence doesn't tend to fluctuate. It doesn't, doesn't vary. There's not much variability in it as you get older. Yeah. The second most important one, do you know what it is? <laughs> you know what it is, uh, don't you? I can guess conscientiousness. It is. It's conscientiousness. Yeah. That's the second largest predictor of career success. Then below that, but much below that, is extroversion. And below mm. that, again, is good looks and attractiveness. So I was like, right, if I have intelligence and I'm an extrovert and I don't look like a complete foot, then <laughs> I'm sure all, Then what I, I need to do is just become conscientious in order to, to get my shit together, get my, get, get my life together, so to mm-hmm. speak. So. Um, yeah, he, it's kind of it's really spoke it's really spoken to me, and he was talking about facts. One of the big things that I wasn't aware of is how I was also indoctrinated by social constructivism. But mm-hmm. by the way, if there is anyone listening to this, these are the types of conversations that me and Max had on quite a <laughs> um, And uh, it was like the fact that how um, he they did a study. Like obviously, he's a clinical psychologist. He's understood the data. He's not just talking on a whim. He has data to back up and substantiate mm-hmm. his arguments. And he used an example of in the Nordic countries and in the Scandinavian countries, there was a fifteen-year cross-sectional intersectional study, um, where obviously they're the most egalitarian society. So that like mm-hmm. it's the most freedom of access for say women into the STEM areas of work or men into say the humanities or mm-hmm. nursing or teaching basically the, the opposite stereotypes of the other sex and what they expected the social constructivists expected that um, the they would become more homogenous and that the careers would merge together and there wouldn't be much of a difference yeah. whereas in fact when men and women were given the opportunity the most egalitarian opportunity to be different they became even more different which was absolutely like it was quite groundbreaking, but it's not something that's been acknowledged in any kind of academic circles um, only on the fringes, like only the ones that are marginalized. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, I thought, I thought it was quite fascinating. And he's like, um, it goes to show, I suppose, how much, like there are some things I don't like, I'm not, as I said to you before, I'm not particularly conservative. I'm not necessarily religious. Um, mm-hmm. You can see how he can be very, very, very influential in a very very positive way to a lot of people and not just men to women also um but i can see how he can be very influential and i can even see some i can remember some of your mannerisms and some of your kind of things <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i was like yeah he definitely heard that from <laughs> john peterson the first time <laughs> well, yeah i got i got I'm a lot very, of stuff that i know you, from him i'm very glad you showed me the you kind of because you said to me that you believe he's going to, in the next, whatever, 20 years, he will eventually be heralded as one of the greatest academics and, you know, revol- not revolutionary thinker, but, you know, um, unconventional thinkers yeah. of his time, you know, that he'll be heralded. So I'm glad that you put me on to him. <laughs> yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad too. Yeah. So did you, did you get a job in Dublin? Yes, so I did get a job going back to my original point. So I have I got a job the day after I was talking to my friend Paddy. Um, I got a job. So I did an interview last Tuesday, no, last two weeks ago. Um, but the interview, the job that I interviewed for, I didn't like it at all. It was no. basically as just a recruiter, someone who just basically brings in candidates, serve, you know, fills them in. Just literally, it's just 
it's kind of a box ticking exercise and it's for people who have a strong attention to detail mm-hmm. <laughs> who are really attentive and you know kind of good with admin Mm-mm, not me either um and so it wasn't my skill set and so towards the end of the interview I was at the managing director there's a small company they're only about a year and a half old and uh, I said to I said to the new the managing director I said um I said, so is this a 360 role? 360 in recruitment means basically you're both doing the yeah. sales, the business development side of it, as well as the the, the servicing, the recruitment side. Mm. And he said, uh, not really. I said, I suppose we'd expect everyone to sell. And I was like, yeah, I don't think this is really for me, is it? And he said, no, I don't think so. But to be honest with you, I said, there's something I really like about you. I said, I don't know. I don't, there's just something I really like. I said, the way you present yourself is very well. And I said, geez, that's great. I said, any mm-hmm. bit of critical feedback or advice? And they said, no, anything negative. And I said to the girl, <laughs> Terry, who lied on to me, I said, Terry, do you have anything negative to say? And they're like, no. I said, you presented yourself really well. I said, ah, Jesus, lads, come on, my shit doesn't stink. Like, it's not, <laughs> it's not a corporate environment. So I was already swearing. I got, I managed mm-hmm. to develop a lot of them. Um, which is probably the reason that they hired me, I'd say. And so he said, right, just leave it with me. That's grand. And so he said, that's fine. He said, leave it with me. So I would go outside and I'm about out there about to smoke a fag and uh, about to hop on the bus. And I see the managing director runs out after me. And uh, he calls me, he said, John, John, come back in, come back in. So he called me back in. And he said, I want you to meet another fella here. This is Eugene. He's from Northern Ireland. He's, the, he's from Belfast, actually. And he's the head of sales and he's the head of sales and marketing. And I was like, all right, we're going to do a second interview now here. So I said, that's grand. So I did a second interview with them. And he asked me about my sales, the, the job that I'd done in Glasgow. Um, and he asked me about kind of industries that I was working in and whatnot. So this is a construction company. Um, mm-hmm. we're trying to move into other areas as well. Because I, I, I know jack shit about uh, construction. And I know that they're not going to watch this. So I don't care about them not finding out. <laughs> they're not going to find out. Um, so yeah, that was grand. So they asked me, they rang me later that day. Then they said, um, look, will you, um, she rang me, the girl Terry, and she said, um, John, we, we actually really liked you. We had about 150 applications. We had about eight people in, but none of them, they, there was something that really just struck us about you and your potential and blah, blah, blah. And I said, that's grand. So I said, they asked, would that, would I, would I, they wanted me to create a cold desk. So it's basically to create um, finding new business in a new market. So like completely by myself. So it's not, there's no pre database. There's no CRM mm. it's already cultivated and, you know, established it's contact. Or report. That's the job I was in uh, at coaching, the sales job I got, you know, we start with nothing. And you that have was, to it was build. completely cold. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. You have so, to find the contacts and, yeah. you know, then, you know, call them and do everything. Pretty much yeah. like just starting from scratch, start, starting from nothing. It's cha- it's cha- it's challenging. Um, yeah, exactly. Thankfully, now I, I won't have to. I don't. I won't be talking to the big corporate managers that you were talking to, like uh, vice presidents <laughs> of fucking of IT and you know in those mm-hmm. vertically integrated companies. Find big managers. It'll be all small scale. But anyway, long story short, because I don't usually make long story short. I usually make short stories <laughs> long. Um, I they offered me yeah they offered me the job when after I sent them a business plan for how I do how I start business and I, what I can kind of move into my own sectors then so I'm trying to focus I'm going to have to it's going to be focusing on kind of market breadth at first and then try mm-hmm. to focus on market depth so yeah I'm starting Monday I'm moving up on Sunday I have a room I got a room within an hour and a half wow. I did a virtual did a virtual viewing last night um 
two guys up in Dublin, they seem really sound as well. So, um, yeah, no, looking, I'm actually, you know, I, I was really nervous about it yesterday. Um, I was really nervous because I'd been so lazy. I've been so fucking lazy <laughs> the last two months. I was like, I was like kind of, you know, almost excluded from society, so to speak, in my own head. <laughs> and I was like, fuck that. No, I need to get my shit together. So, um, yeah, look, I, I'm a little bit nervous, but I'm also, I'm more excited now today than I was yesterday. So the one, my biggest key learning and I, the biggest thing I'm, uh, going to try to do is how to be conscientious industriousness because like uh, I've made so many commitments both to others and to myself over recent mm-hmm. times and I haven't held myself to be accountable um, and I haven't been responsible enough so um, well obviously I have other skill sets but these are my negative qualities that I'm going to try yeah. to work on so you know the, and the best that, thing that's, is that's- once you go through that like you go through those commitments and actually follow through there's like you know you, you get like this kick of dopamine you know that you yeah. feel that you've succeeded and then it propels you to do more of that yeah yeah that that's is, is that like the that is that and that's what that's what i've never actually i suppose i've never experienced that gratitude not gratitude that um gratification i suppose yeah. of mm-hmm of you know well actually i have sorry that's not true i have but not in a job i have done in academic times like working mm. really hard and getting like you know one ones and stuff like that yeah. in college do you feel satisfied when like you've cleaned your room and do you like do you ever get that feeling oh my god i've cleaned my room no nope. <laughs> no i like i'm still i'm still i'm still i'm still a messy bastard i still have i haven't i still i max I, this is no joke, right? I moved home on the 31st of July. I still have some of my clothes sitting in a bag that haven't <laughs> been opened since the 31st of July. That's no lie. That's not a lie. Oh, that's, that's not so, so bad. So, I, yeah, I, like, I... <laughs> Fuck that! It's two and a half months! <laughs> well, if you, if you didn't need them, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Like, that's like true. I, I yeah. tend to unpack, like, I, like, I'm on the opposite side. Like, I tend to do things that I don't even have to do. And you know, I, I end up wasting all the time on doing things that I don't have to do. And like, sometimes, you know, I've got like a 16 hour day in which two, like eight hours are completely wasted doing stuff that doesn't need to, like, you know, like I wash dishes that don't really need to be washed. Like I wash my flatmates dishes, <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, like I'm, I'm just doing things I don't need to do just because I'm is so that, OCD about it. Are you doing that as like a de-stressor, like to kind of de-stress no, no, you or no. declutter I, your mind? So I think it's just a dopamine kick. Like you see something, okay. you, you some, you see some, I see something that needs to be done. I do it and then I feel better. Okay. All right. And any, and any advice as to, because you're usually quite insightful when it comes to things like this. And because I've found even from, we only lived together for three months, but I found that you had really good um, kind of, influence over your own yet a lot of self-control mm-hmm. uh, i know you're kind of saying there you don't but you have a lot of self-control in terms of you're very you're very open like you're extremely open to new experience but you're extremely open to self-criticism so that yeah, you're I, self-aware I about, be, yeah. about, about changing different habits of behavior so mm-hmm. if i to ask you a piece of advice as to how i would incorporate that kind of positive mechanism of um, you know, being diligent, being conscientious, achieving my task, being goal oriented, basically being conscientious for want of a better term. Any any particular advice? Yeah, I I have two. So one of them 
clear goals like and goals that actually matter to you like goals that you actually want to do you know because it's it's easy to convince yourself that you want something when you actually don't like so you know like you know maybe you think you want a nicer car but you actually want to like flex that car and like show it to your friends and like get that approval from your friends and like it's very difficult to like actually go inside and realize what you actually want so that would mm. be one thing, like think about what you want and like keep yeah. your goals around what you want. And like, you know, you can make that, you can make this like about your family as well. Like I've been thinking a lot about my dad and, you know, like I want to, like I've been thinking about like, I want to make more money because eventually I want to like take my dad on a trip somewhere or, yeah. you know, even get, get to the point where he doesn't have to work, where I can just pay all his bills, you know? Yeah. So like, that's something. And now, you know, that, in this way, I have a motivation for making more money, you know, because it's something that really matters to me. So I would, you know, that's one thing that I would recommend, like goals that actually matter to you, personally, yeah. on an emotional level. I'm and trying then, to figure that out. That, that's, that's good. It is. And I want to try use that, you know, that acronym, the, um, what's that acronym, that goal setting acronym you're supposed to use? Smart. Smart, yeah. Specific, yeah. measurable attainable realistic and timely yeah so yeah i'm gonna i've I've never i want to try incorporate that um so but if that's too complicated because you know like if you have trouble sticking to things like maybe that's too complicated everything not things (laughs) everything i have trouble sticking to anything (laughs) okay so listen so like don't even think about goals that 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 um specifically that that um what's the word that um oh fuck i can't express myself this is so that's annoying. okay <laughs> but anyway like don't don't even think about goals that match those five criteria okay just those five you know s- uh, specific measurable yeah maybe just think about anything you know like because if you have trouble sticking to to things that are um you know, like the, the thing is like, do you have enough follow through to come up with a goal that matches those five criteria? If you don't, Fuck. then then just come yeah. up with any goal, like any goal that actually matters to you. Like That's you know, true, because if I pick something that's really like, that satisfies all those criteria, then I mightn't actually follow through with it. I might spend more time picking a goal rather than actually following through it. Whereas yeah, I, exactly. What I'm, what I'm saying is like, if you have to pick something that's matches those five criteria criteria then you might not do it at all because you have to actually sit down and do it and then you need a goal to set a goal you know what i mean like you you have to get disciplined enough to to set a goal like maybe instead of that just pick any goal like next time something comes to your mind like a wild fantasy like that's one thing that we've kind of um, moved away from too much like fantasies you know like you have fantasies when you're like 12 like yeah. I, you know, like I want to go and fucking live in Jamaica for a year, and then you know, as we get older, we're conditioned. We're conditioned out of it. Yeah, we we just don't think like we don't really think about them anymore. So maybe what we, you know, maybe what we need to do is like pay attention to our fantasies more. Like next time That's you get true. like a, you know, like a random fantasy, think what you can do. Like maybe like try to you know maybe act on that you know maybe like come up with a plan like what what would what would i have to do for that fantasy to come true yeah because i suppose those fantasies are just 
like they're manifestations of our subconscious really aren't mm-hmm. they yeah do you know what i mean yeah. so and like the fact that we're so caught up in in like whatever the, the day-to-day so to speak that we might neglect those kind of those we'll have strong inhibitions towards those fantasies do you know mm-hmm. what i mean so like that that's that's quite true that's quite interesting about what I might do then is because one of the things that's I have an idea in my head right now. It's just popped into my head. Mm-hmm. So they say that one of the best times for coming up with ideas or fantasies or, you know, whichever, whatever way you want to frame it is just going for a walk. No music, mm-hmm. no, just go for a walk. So um, my walk to work, I've timed it. Or I asked that my my new housemate um, yesterday on video call. He said it's about 15, 20 minute walk. So mm-hmm. I'll be walking to and from work each day. So I'm going to try to let my mind be free for fantasies rather than trying to focus on what I have to do that day or what I'm going to have for lunch or who I'm chatting to on Tinder or my friends. <laughs> I'm going to try to allow myself just that freedom to let the mind be free, so to speak, and let those natural thoughts come up to the surface. I think it'd be a good time. It's, it'd be a good time for it. Yeah, and then, and then, and then take note of them and actually follow through with them. I think it's a good thing to try. Although what I found is sometimes if you, like, if you if you're like I'm gonna spend twenty minutes just letting my thoughts go and like just letting fantasies come to me, what happens is you kind of get stuck in that trying to force those fantasies to come to the surface. Yeah, yeah, I get that. It's not as natural. Yeah, I mean, I, like, I actually think you're, you know, because like you say, you're disorganized or you say you're, you, you know. You, no, I am disorganized. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you don't, you don't have discipline. That's what you're saying. So, no. yeah, but what I would, what I would say, like, actually, that's good for your fantasies to come to the surface. Like, that's good for your um, creativity okay. to come to the surface. So, you know, maybe, maybe you already have those fantasies, you know, maybe you have everything you need. You just need to pick something and now implement it. That's true. I, I'm kind of going off branch. You just, you clicked with something, with something that you talked to me about mm-hmm. there because one that I might go off topic now, but I'm actually not because we haven't chatted okay. for a while. But <laughs> you, you said, you said to me something that I really wanted to implement, but obviously I didn't follow through on it. <laughs> and it just, it's literally just come back to me. You said if you want to make these changes, because I talk to you a lot about how to become more self-aware, how to, you know, how to become more industrious and all this, how to get more in touch with my actual goals and ambitions and to align those to my actual behaviors and so on and so forth. And you said to me, make sure whatever you do, you're doing one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. So it's just one thing. So it's one month of doing one new thing. Do it all the time for a month or every day or however often it's meant to be done to do that. And then that's how you will create those habits mm-hmm. um, and those new patterns of kind of behavior. <laughs> Unfortunately, I haven't. <laughs> I, I've, tried, I've tried new things for about 10 minutes on many occasions. And but my mind has I've still allowed my mind to be as scattered as ever. Um, I know it's part of it's just part of my natural personality that will be organized. But at the same time, I know that I'm fully aware more now than I've ever been before. That's something I really need to work on um, for the betterment of my future. Um, and just not even for the betterment of my future, though, but just to get more satisfaction out of things, you know, like 
just to get more kind of, as you said, kind of that bring it brings a lot of value to your life to be kind of diligent with those kind mm-hmm. of tasks and to to not be like I'm so lenient on myself, so lenient. I'm not. I'm only. I'm only harsh on myself in words. I'm not harsh on myself in terms of actions. Um, and it's my responsibility to change that. And uh, I don't do too well with responsibility by and large. So, um, yeah, it's 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 definitely it's going to be a big challenge. But I think I think that it's my it's my it's the most important thing for me to know is to become more conscientious and like obviously under conscientious, there's all those other associations such as being more disciplined, being more responsible, mm-hmm. being more, you know, follow through with my, with my goal, being more goal orientated and whatnot, because I'm so scattered otherwise. Um, but uh, yeah, that that's for, if there is anyone listening there, um, I kind of sometimes use Max as my uh, as my pseudo therapist because he has a he has very strong characteristics that I'm very envious of. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that. You know, I'm glad I can help. But um... if you're ever, if you're ever, if you're ever really stuck for money, and if I'm ever really rich, if that situation ever <laughs> transpires, I'll just pay you. To, I'll just pay you to give me daily advice. You can give me like a daily <laughs> tutorial on life. <laughs> That'd be great. Maybe that's what I should do. You know, maybe that's true. I, you know, I, I, I would like. I sometimes think I should become a therapist, but I'm just too disagreeable. Like I'm not, I'm not a very um, yeah. That, that, that you person. don't you don't agree, you don't you you're you don't agree for the sake of social harmony. That's not <laughs> no. that's not part of your agenda. That's not part of your <laughs> yeah, your your agenda. motivations when. Your motivations is not to get the other person to like you. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, no, no, yeah, you'd probably. I, I, I think though, if you were, let's just be fan, just consider the possibility for the situation. If you were a therapist, I think you're actually very empathetic. You are very, very empathetic, and you're very good at putting yourself in the other person's shoes. But it's your response. It's your kind of, it's your brute honesty or your mm. kind of, your, your loyalty to truth as opposed to comfort mm-hmm. would kind of, would be, would kind of, I would say, distort your reactions yeah. towards the patient and the patient would be like, here, fuck man, I just told you that I'm <laughs> sad. You're telling me all the things that I've done wrong in my life. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely scared some people away in the past. And... So, yeah. Like, um, yeah, you know, like I also get impatient, like, you know, because in my mind, I always, always want to move to the solution. But, you know, like for me, you know, like sometimes, you know, I have a problem and like I come up with a solution, then I'm ready to implement like one day. But for some yeah. people, you know, it takes them like months to process that. And, yeah. you know, you can just imagine me being in a session with someone you know, whereas like the eighth session <laughs> and they're not emotionally ready, but I'm like, oh, come on, man, just do it. Yeah, yeah, I get I, I get that. I Well, look, maybe that's the we'll just we'll just cross off therapist off the list. So <laughs> I think I, I think, though, with the right, maybe if you could create a therapy business just for like a certain type of person for like mm-hmm. someone who's really low on conscientiousness or someone who um people who just want to really get in touch with who really want to be honest with themselves completely mm-hmm. honest because 
you're I always thought I was honest. I think I'm honest in terms of sometimes about like I'm honest in some ways, but I think you're oh shit, sorry. I just by the way, I just got a notification about the Ireland match. It's like nil all there's a big Ireland soccer match on us at the moment, but it's like it's it's half time, it's nil nil, so I just got a notification. Um I think you're more honest than I am. I think you're very honest with yourself first and foremost. So you're the kind of person where if, for instance, if I was to talk to you in a year, say, for instance, we hadn't talked like this for three months. Mm-hmm. And like, I think you'd be quite honest with, because you're so honest with yourself. I think it, I found that you're very honest almost with me as well. And your honesty is almost transparency about like what you're doing right or what you're doing wrong or, do you know what I mean? So if I put you this way, right? Let me give you an example. If 99.99% of my friends told me that they gave up a software engineering job and started flipping shit on the internet, I'd be like, <laughs> you all right? Like, are you sure you know what the fuck is going on? You got a bit gaga or a bit Lulu in your head. <laughs> Whereas with you, I know that that's not true because you've kind of given so much thought and depth and mm-hmm. kind of analysis to this. So do you know what I mean? So I, th- I think that I think that'll always stand to you because you're, you try to be as truthful to yourself as more than anyone else. Because, um, do you know what I mean? You're very like one of our biggest arguments was kind of well, not well, yeah, kind of an argument was. Um, <laughs> yeah, call it that. Your your individualistic philosophies and mm-hmm. my collectivist philosophies, um, and I think that I gave you insight into when we were talking into the benefits of collectivism not the benefits necessarily but the purported the purport the purported benefits of collectivism mm-hmm. and compared to some would say the the selfish or the kind of uh, the the lack of egalitarianism and in individualism whereas a lot of the things that you told me about individualism i wasn't quite ready to pick up on and i have been only i've kind of i've been thinking about it a lot in the last little while and you know like I used to I was a full-blown fucking commie there for for about for about four years when I was younger like you said you were from about 15 to like 18 and 19 but um I one of the big things uh, like you you quote this to me as well the same as I've heard Jordan Peterson say on an umpteen occasions he said I'm all for equality of opportunity but absolutely 110% I am not for equality of outcome you know and I Mm. think I think that you've given me a lot of insight, I suppose, a lot of, you know, most people who would say that to me, I'd be like, ah, you're talking bollocks, you're talking <laughs> shite. But I think that's, I, I think, I think there's more, there's, obviously there's a lot of merit to it, but I think it's something that I'll probably sway more to. So I think I'll always be probably, I would always hope that I'm somewhat liberal and somewhat progressive, mm-hmm. even though you're quite liberal as well. Um, oh, but some things, I, yeah. I yeah, mean, about some the, the whole know. label like liberal. I try to be yeah. as liberal as possible. Like you know, I'm for as much freedom as possible. In the sense liberal that, has liberal liberal at the moment. What what yeah. is what in today's world, especially in America, what's known as a liberal is not the true definition of a liberal. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely not. Yeah. Um. Can I can I go back to something? I'm actually curious. So like the last two months, um, you've been what? No, three. When did you move to, what date did you move to um, Cardiff? The beginning of September. So really just okay. one month. I've been oh, in Cardiff. Okay, okay. Um, and how, how, have you gone to the castle, no? Yeah, yeah, I've been there once. Have but most of, it have... is, most of it is closed off because, I don't know, I think it's because of COVID. 
Yeah, so that's like, isn't it shit? It's shit. The fact that the one the times you're going to new cities, you can't really explore <laughs> yeah. them. Yeah, and you know also I mean? you know I I thought it was gonna get better. Like I I really thought you know because it was getting better in the summer, and mm -hmm. I thought it was just gonna get better for good. I you know I thought we were done with it. Well, in, do you do you wanna do you wanna talk about COVID? Do you wanna talk about COVID? Because I have some <laughs> interesting opinions. Yeah, let's let's um, let's talk about COVID. So I'm. I'm as both of us are quite unconventional thinkers on some things um, and like we don't like to follow the typical narrative and mm -hmm. I have a big problem with people who label you if you have if you go against the, the general consensus or the general narrative of the, the liberal agenda that's going around at the moment that you're a tinfoil hat conspiracy man mm -hmm. I have a, I, I have huge bear huge umbrage to that um, and I the cases have been dramatically on the rise, yes. Yeah. But they've tried to one of the big I think what's what I'm finding manifesting now, obviously this is only in the online world because it's all playing out in the online world. It's not playing people are reacting to each other in the online world the way they wouldn't in real life. But the way it's playing out, because there was so much of a fear at the time when it first came out, they thought, you know, one in, they didn't know about the mortality rate, one in ten mm -hmm. people could die or how severe this is going to be absolutely cataclysmic and catastrophic. So they, there was a huge drumming up of fear and hysteria. And now the fact that people have seen how the mortality rate has dropped so much that even though cases are on the rise and it is coming into winter, two things I think are happening. One, they're trying to replicate that. The, the mass media are trying to replicate that hysteria mm -hmm. that was going around come February, March time, particularly March, April, May, that stay in your houses, the virus is coming for you. It's in your ears, it's in your nose, it's in your hair. Do you know, it's fucking everywhere. Yeah. Um, and then people, everyone, would, there was like, you know, we're in this together. And, all, and that messaging kind of worked quite well at the time, overall mm -hmm. in this together. Yeah, for a while, Whereas for a since few then, weeks. Yeah, and for a few weeks. Got fucked up after a while because everyone got it's, tired. It's, everyone got fed up and... It became it's become to a point where it's become so divisive. Even the fact, like, even just the whole who would have fucking thought that 2020, one of the most divisive political issues of our time, was wearing a fucking mask. <laughs> you know, I know nobody knew about a global pandemic was coming, yeah, but yeah, yeah. and the way people have become ideologues, like if I oh, it's like even if you use America America as an example, if you wear a mask, you're a Democrat. If you don't wear mm -hmm. a mask, you're a Republican. And that's literally, it's almost like an instant identifiable tool almost. And that's how it's trying to be orchestrated. But I don't know, I suppose in terms of the whole thing with COVID, like me personally, this is my personal belief. Uh, everyone else is, if, is welcome to disagree with it. Absolutely. I believe that people who are non-vulnerable should be allowed to live their lives in their entirety. I do. Yeah. Whether that's in the case of herd immunity or what, I don't know. That's been my case. For, that's been my belief for a while. If I got COVID, I wouldn't be concerned personally um, about myself. I would be more, a little bit more worried about maybe my mother. She's 61, mm. but she's quite healthy. She eats well. She exercises. She looks after her health. Now she smokes as well, but she is quite healthy. But this whole fucking blacklisting people, do you know, you see this shit on Twitter, people, oh, you're only selfish, like saying, oh, you get COVID. What about everyone else that you're going to kill? Like, it's just complete, mm. it's it's just pure hyperbole. Like, it's complete, well, no, that's for humor's effect. It's complete exaggeration. And I just think it's completely taken out of 
the the sense of reality has been lost from the whole thing, Max, hasn't it? Like, there's just, it's just it it people have lost sense of reality over it. Well, I don't know. Like you, so I mean, for me, it's easier because I can like I'm I'm a very stay home person, so I can just stay home. Yeah. yeah. But you know, I can I can imagine for you it it might be more difficult. So you know. I mean, you know, like coming back, like I think everyone should be allowed to do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. In in the sense that, like, do you want the government to tell you what to do? You know, which doesn't really mean it. Like, just because people should be allowed to make their own choices, it doesn't mean that they should not be responsible for the. Yeah. Well, it doesn't mean there's going to be complete anarchy or you're advocating for anarchy just because you want people to have the freedom and liberty to make their own responsible choices. Yeah, although I'm, all, I'm, you know, like personally, I'm trying to, I'm trying to limit it as much as, you know, I'm trying to wear a mask every everywhere I go, pretty much. Um, Can I ask you a question? This is interesting. Yeah. So, like, in terms of wearing a mask, I also too, I wear a mask wherever I go. So in Ireland, the regulations are, I think they're pretty similar to the UK, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like public transport, you have to wear a mask. All shops, you have to wear a mask. We've just recently gone into. What so Ireland has like Ireland <laughs> the Irish political system is completely in fucking in ribbons at the moment. Um, but we basically they created a framework, a five-level framework in Ireland for, for living with COVID plan. So mm-hmm. level one to level five, five being the most extreme, one being the least. They and we have this thing called the National Public Health Emergency Team, NFET, which have become hugely prevalent in Ireland Irish political discourse. And we've basically they increased the country from level two. We were all level two and then two counties, Dublin and Donegal, were level three. And now they've increased the whole country to level three. Mm. But it was under the pretense that NFA actually wanted us to go to level five, which was back to the way fucking lockdown right. was in March or April, which was just completely disproportionate. And now we're level three, but there's there's a real, there's a big kind of movement. There's there's a lot of talk, even the, the, the Tanishta, who had been, he's like the, the the vice president, so to speak. He'd be the second in command. And he used to be the ex-Taoiseach, the ex-Prime Minister, Leo Varadkar. Mm-hmm. He's a doctor himself. And he he said, look, a full lockdown is not on the rise if cases keep rising. Because you know, there are a lot of cases, but um, like, it's just that the, the ICU rate, and like, there's just, I'm no medical specialist by any means whatsoever. And I'm the same as everyone else that, if you want to find this kind of goes back, this brings it onto social media. If you have a certain opinion, everybody will can will if you like the, your social media profiles have such an understanding of you that mm-hmm. they oh that's a good thing to talk about actually Max social media because uh, I I don't know if you've seen the social dilemma. Um, but no. they, oh, there's a new book, yeah. Joe Rogan oh, was new, posting about it. Oh all, no, that's something else on Netflix. Oh the no! New I thing on Netflix. Oh, it's, it's it's brilliant, Max. It's um, it's a basically um, it's a documentary. It's about an hour and a half long on Netflix, which goes into the detail of how social media is used to how we are the product. So mm. our attention is not necessarily it, it is demanded of us, and how the way the algorithms are actually written by the people who created these tools, they didn't foresee the consequences Mm. it's had on social discourse and on socialization between people. And I think it goes a lot, it's funny against 
like I actually do one of the reasons I deleted my Facebook and I deleted my Instagram. Now I was going to do them anyway. I had already deleted my Instagram, but then I deleted my Facebook. So I don't even have messenger right. anymore. And I'm thinking, well, of, I'm thinking of deleting Twitter because no, when, when did you do that? Oh, about a month ago, about a month ago. Right. Yeah. Um, give, yeah, give or, give or yeah. take about a month ago. Cause, cause you um, know, I've been getting into social media a lot around the time yeah. we were living together. And you yeah. know, I was kind of promoting it and like advocating for it, and you were always like, yeah. "Fuck that!" No, no, no. <laughs> but yeah. like, I, I've been I've been thinking a lot more about social media, and like I find myself like the more the more time I spend on social media, the less happy I am. Yep. Yep. Like, and like, it's not it's me... not real interaction. Yeah, some of them are like maybe ten percent of my time on social media is like positive. Yeah. But that's not that's not that's not that's not a good that's the scale the scale should be balanced the other way like <laughs> yeah that's not a good number no. but you know then again I, you know i would advise i would advise you to give it a watch i think you'd really you have netflix not anymore okay i can't afford it now <laughs> i'm really like i'm literally counting every penny like I'm literally okay. like I, I think like because, you know, I have a savings account because I don't want to have everything in one account, you know, because yeah. then I would be spending it like left and right. So I think in my like the account that I'm using to like, you know, go shopping and stuff, I think I've got like seven pounds in it. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm, I, I'm, just, I'm, so, I'm sorry for that. Well, not really, no, because I, it's completely by your own choice. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I'm not yeah. you. No, I'm, um, so, I'm, I'm actually happier being poor for some weird reason. No, I actually enough. get that. Like, you know, because like I like the struggle and like I know there's I know there's reward at the end of it. Like, you know, yeah. like I, I you, you know, I'm fairly confident. Like I really believe in myself. So I know there's yeah, yeah. I know there's reward at the end of that. Yeah. And, he, and the thing is, you're very OK with delaying that reward as well, with delaying that gratification, with delaying. Mm-hmm you know you're not you're not looking for that instant because let's call a spade a spade you're quite a good software engineer you start writing code when you were 10 years of age mm. you gave up a software job to take on a sales job because your manager mentioned it and you're like oh yeah yeah let's do that let's do that and mm. then you did that and you didn't like it so you said fuck it no i'm leaving it and you haven't looked back since you like you you haven't do you know what i mean you're you're clearly you're uh, I, I don't dispute in any way shape or form that you have that belief in yourself because not many people, regardless of what age you are, not many people can walk away from that kind of a stable salary and then just go off moving from city to city, city hopping on no money and trying to find different ways of making money and being contented with that lifestyle. That's not for everyone. And that's, yeah. and that, 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 that is admirable though. That is admirable. Well, you know, like I was scared too, but I found myself more happy once I like the the past the past two months. It's the happiest I've ever been. Really? Like I've, yeah, like I've got whole days to myself, like just working on things that I want to work on. You know, the podcast. So what? What? Like how many? Actually, how many podcasts have you done? Not that many. Like I think no. we've got like ten. I think this is the tenth episode. Okay. Okay. Have Have you been smoking joints? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, actually, not. Did you find not, a heart? Oh, did you? Um, I've got the vape now. Um, oh yeah, I haven't seen it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have a. Um, don't. It's, it's stored away, but it's uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. Do you, I, I, have you have you found a supplier in Cardiff? 
Uh, well, I live in a very rough neighborhood, so all I have to do is walk outside. Have you like actually this. have you have you like have you met anyone who will sell to you? Yeah, well, that's the thing. I don't have any phone numbers. I literally like every time I got it, I just walked out of my house, just walked on the street and asked people. Really? It, yeah, like it's the kind of neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is how this neighborhood works. Like it's really. <laughs> Like that's, you know, cause like one thing, one motivation for moving to Cardiff was so I could get a cheaper flat. So I think this flat yeah. is like 370, uh, like this room, in this flat. Yeah. Well, I, I actually think I overpaid for this, for this neighborhood. Cause like, it's a really bad neighborhood. Like, you know, like pretty much every night there's like people screaming at night, like people arguing, you know, like yeah, drums, yeah. or someone's, someone's driving a motorcycle uh you know like on full speed at like midnight yeah yeah but well, the, the one thing i'd say jerry when we lived together in glasgow mm-hmm. um we lived in quite we lived in the west end of yeah. glasgow in, in tornwood just outside partick for anyone who is listening for anyone who's familiar who would be familiar with glasgow max kept saying to me that glasgow is a lovely city <laughs> that it wasn't rough at all and i was like here come on now <laughs> you need to you that if we lived if we lived there there's i think we were the low in by and large in most places in glasgow i think there were um quite similar to the street that you're living in in cardiff um are you living in the city center no i'm like, like t- 20 minutes away uh oh right, okay you're from the city center okay it's kind of I mean, it's, it's, have it's you been small city so it's kind it's of very cool. small i would I, I was in Cardiff two, no, three years ago. Um, I felt, I, I actually felt the most drinking I've ever done in, um, in like in three days I did, I've done in Cardiff. Do you know what, <laughs> really? do you know what it means? Yes. Yeah, I know. There's um, St. Mary Street where all the bars are. Yeah, yeah. So do you know the McDonald's there? Mm-hmm. So I def- I ate seven McDonald's out there over the course of one weekend. But that's, <laughs> Like I lived all the way from McDonald's and then Irish fries, but we started drinking in Ross Lair. It's very southeast of Ireland. We started drinking at, at about half seven, eight a.m. in the morning, going on a boat over to Wales, and we drank until two a.m. So we drank for about eighteen hours. This was on the Friday. Wow. Then woke up, woke up, played a rugby match. I had to go and get another box of fags, smoke two fags, have a pint have a fry this at night at 10 o'clock in the morning, play a rugby match and then drink all day again on the Saturday for another 18 hours. And then on the Sunday, like we were like, it was, it was very bad, very unhealthy for my body. But on, and then the Sunday wasn't, wasn't so bad. We went back on the Sunday, but I couldn't, like nobody could even breathe or fucking, it was just, it was, it was with a rugby crew. So it was a big piss up, but I fell asleep with homeless people on, you know, there's a lot of homeless people on St. Mary streets. <laughs> I don't know. I've not, I've actually not seen many. No, there was, but there no. was that time. I, I just, I remember falling asleep in, I fell asleep in between a homeless couple outside oh. that McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> so we were staying in a hostel right across the road mm. from McDonald's. And I fell asleep in between a couple. I think one of them fell asleep. The fellow fell asleep on my shoulder or the girl fell asleep on my shoulder. And I was in between the two of them. And my <laughs> best, my best friend, Kevin, came out with McDonald's for me and for the homeless people. He said, John, come on, fuck you. Like, no disrespect, but you're going to get scabies or something. Like, come on, yeah. you need to get up. And uh, he pulled me out and we went back into 
went back into the hostel and I, I ended up going downstairs to talk to these New Zealand people. And I got, I sometimes if I'm really, really pissed drunk, I get really emotional for no reason. And I started <laughs> crying. I started crying about the homelessness crisis. And they were all, I didn't realize they were all doing cocaine. <laughs> and, uh, he was a big Maori guy and he came over he said man you seem nice but like do you mind just like not crying you kind of you're you're kind of ruining our buzz a little and I was like oh sorry I'm so sorry I'm so sorry and I went, I went up to bed and I was still upset. um yeah that was funny but Car- Cardiff it, it, it's a nice city but uh it did that that took that I think that weekend shaved years off my life to be quite honest but um I, I'd I said I would love to go visit you, but sure, you're going to be gone soon. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you can visit me in uh, Belfast, or I can That's visit it. you in Dublin. It's only two, only two hours. Um, it's only two hours by the bus, I think, because it's mm-hmm. motorway all the way up the coast from Belfast to Dublin. Yeah, I would, I would definitely go to Dublin. Have you researched what areas of, like, any areas of Belfast? No, not yet. Um, I've got I've got a friend who is from Belfast, so I'll ask oh, him. Right, okay. But I mean, That's you know, I'm I'm just gonna go on spyroom.com and you know just list by price the lowest and I'll see. <laughs> <what>. <laughs> I'll just, I presume, I'll just have, see. have you ever seen Max actually the the documentary on minimalism on Netflix? Uh, no. It's brilliant. So it's it's basically people who are kind of doing what you're doing. So it's people who have had relatively either anything from decent standard working class income to relatively affluent upper middle class, even mm-hmm. sometimes upper class incomes. And people who have not necessarily quit their jobs. Maybe they haven't done it as extreme as you, but they have given up all of their possessions mm-hmm. and given up all of their things and say they've only kept basically what they need. So mm. that they have excessive luxuries and they haven't had the materialism, the materialism of having excessive goods and commodities. And they've found that their life satisfaction has they it all rose tenfold, mm. but not but it rose dramatically because they were they almost now it wasn't like you in terms of they were enjoying embracing the struggle, they were more so kind of acknowledging the fact that we live we have so much of an excess of useless shit essentially yeah. um, and that they just found that their, their life satisfaction was much better but I think that's another good I think that's one that you'd enjoy as well although knowing you that might fucking persuade you to just go and sell every fucking <laughs> sell everything you have so that you can just live freely for another fucking two years <laughs> no I, I think I'm actually gonna be the opposite of that I think I'm gonna have a lot of stuff in the future because you know like I never had any stuff so for me it's gonna be like you know I never had that so yeah so I'm like I'm gonna get a nice car and that's one thing I'm gonna need for flipping because it's very like you know like I can carry maybe like 40 books in one box so I'm gonna have to get a car so I can you know drive from one charity trip to another to another to another another, you know load up like a hundred books and be done with it so is that like, is that just what you're doing for the time being? Or do you Pretty plan much, on doing yeah. that for like another few months or a couple of years? Or are you kind of taking it day by day? Yeah, well, I've got some ideas, uh, but I don't want to make them public because <laughs> I don't want to lose the advantage. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but I've got some ideas. I'll, I'll tell you more some other time in private. Like in, a pri- in a private forum. 
Yeah, yeah. But I've got some ideas like around flipping, flipping books and stuff like that, you know, how I can scale it up. Uh, That's got but, hey, would you hang on two seconds? Sorry, I'm just going to grab a cigarette. Um, sure. I, I am, I'm still smoking cigarettes. So bear <laughs> with me one moment. Um, apologies for public. No worries. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, I feel I do. I miss. I miss smoking weed with you, Max, and fucking talking about absolutely everything and anything. Yeah, you know, like you're one of the few people I can talk about like interesting stuff. Because well, you get you, know, bored, you get bored of most other people. <laughs> well, it's just like most people stick to like very surface level stuff. You know, it's like, have you seen this? Yeah, have I you seen that? That's because people are, sometimes, Max, because people are afraid of being authentic. Like yeah, you yeah, said yeah. to me before, mm. people are afraid of being their true selves. And they, they, they're more interested in kind of the social hierarchy. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. But you know what? I, I got to admit, I find it from an opposite perspective, or but also the same way that makes no sense but bear with me that i don't have these conversations with many people either only a very very limited few mm-hmm. because conversations i have with people is small talk Do you know yeah. because like I, i'm obviously an extrovert so i don't mind small talk i that still yeah. energizes me it doesn't even unnecessary talking doesn't bother me um but like the only people that i have these kind of conversations with and no one, I don't have anyone with you because not many are not many people are as open as you are. Mm-hmm. But um, I would say are only extreme introverts. Generally, right. generally speaking, generally speaking, generally speaking, hmm. uh, it's funny you, you mentioned something earlier, and it is true that's dawned on me. Um, definitely, the pandemic or social distancing is definitely more difficult for extroverts, I think, than introverts. Mm-hmm. Well, I. Like I've got some friends who they only hang out with friends online. Like pretty much that's what they do. So it really okay. doesn't affect them because like they, you know, they, they chat with people and, you know, maybe they get on like Zoom calls or maybe extroverts. I don't, I, I would say most of them are introverts, the people who do that. But I don't yeah. know, it's, it yeah. seems like there's this, I don't know. Like I'm kind of worried we're going to move towards this culture of like, everyone's going to be like disconnected physically, but more connected yeah. digitally. Really worries Yeah, me. and, and do you know what? It does. It, it worries me as well because, and it worries me from a vast, vast range of perspectives as well. Probably similar to yourself. It, it, it worries me first and foremost that whether you're introverted or extroverted, we're still social beings, right? Mm-hmm. So we still need social contact. We, it's, it's, it's evolutionary. Like it's not fucking, you know, it, it's just part, part of mm-hmm. our natural behavior that's ingrained into our psyche and our fucking subconscious. But if we, if we lose, like social skills will diminish that mm-hmm. people have in order to meet someone like one of the reasons that me and you were able to get on and learn quick was because I suppose we both have worked like I probably came more naturally to me but you had worked a lot on your social skills with people as well like mm-hmm. you taught me how you forced yourself in situations but we were able to build up a bit of rapport talk about little things first in order to build up a trust to then have more conversations true social skills and like Social anxiety has been on the rise dramatically for the last number of years. Very synonymous with the rise in the usage of social media as well. Mm. The studies have been done on that. Um, and that's like, it, 
there's a real push. I, I just it scares the shit out of me that there's a real push that people think you can replace. Like this is great, right? It is great catching up, mm-hmm. and it, it's great to have the technology during a pandemic. But like people, I think there's a real desire for people to be back to enjoy crowds and enjoy big spectacles and like I can't wait till a fucking I can go to a gig or I can go to mm. a match or even I've, I've had a few sessions out here in my house I've hosted a few sessions um, and I had one big one about 17 or 18 people were out here a couple of weeks ago and a few of them were oh fucking spiders fuck off um, sorry <laughs> uh, but they and it was great and I just loved the social contact of it and I was even saying it to one of the lads there I was like, Lad, this is kind of like, this is necessary. Do you know, this is like, there's people meeting up and actually having face to face conversations is, it's required. It's necessary. Like, it, it terrifies, it does terrify me if people become increasingly digitalized because if you become increasingly digitalized, people are also, they're not holding back in what they're saying to each other, which you might say is sometimes mm-hmm. a good thing, but also, becoming like you know online discourse has become incredibly volatile like Mm -hmm. i have um the only one i kind of use now is twitter because i still look at a bit like you twitter is the the most uh violent one it is it is and like i still use it because like i'm like you and that i'm i'm a consumptionist of information Mm -hmm. and i like to know what's going on even if you just have a quick scroll of your news feed fuck me pink lad it's all negative there's nothing positive Mm -hmm. on it Oh, it man, is, I, it's all I've, negative. I've been to some really strange places on Twitter. Like some really strange places. Can I ask, can um, I ask where? <laughs> yeah, like, so, I mean, what's interesting about Twitter, like, do you scroll, like, do you just follow people and like consume information or do you engage with people on Twitter? I've never engaged, I've never, po- I've never posted a comment in my life. I've never okay. actually engaged with anyone. Okay. I've only ever so, liked, I've never even really, re- I've only liked, I've liked tweets. I've never even retweeted anything. Okay. And do you follow people who are mostly famous or do you follow people who are like, you know, just regular people? Um, I wouldn't say fa- they're famous in terms of most of them would probably have like the blue tick, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but they wouldn't be like mainstream famous. Like yeah. they might be, like, do you know what I mean? Like I'd follow a lot, I say, I get a lot of my sports journalism on yeah, that. But like get- in, the, in the hundreds of thousands of followers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. It would be so, like, I don't, I don't, so, I don't follow, I don't follow ordinary lay people. Yeah. So what's interesting about Twitter is it's kind of like meeting people in real life in the sense that, so imagine you go to a party and you talk to a bunch of people and, you know, maybe you get some of their phone numbers and then you talk to them and then through those people, you know, so let's say you meet a guy called Mike and then you talk to Mike. And you know, Mike introduces you. Yeah, we had a flatmate called Mike. Yeah, we Mike. me and Mike had me and Alex <laughs> lived there. A guy called Mike. Uh, and you know, Mike introduces you to Jack, and Jack introduces you to Emily. And you know, Emily yeah. is in a completely different social circle. So you, now you're in a yeah. completely different social circle, different values. You know, people think differently, dress differently, and so on. Yeah. So now you're in a different circle, and then you meet other people. You know, through those people again a different circle different circle again and twitter is kind of like that so if you engage with people you're going to meet new people and then you're going to move between different circles so but can i ask can i ask a question about that though Mm -hmm. because 
I wonder is the algorithm um is it designed in such a way that you will only be exposed to people who are like-minded so you know birds of a feather flock together so what I've what I've found is even if I was surfing something on the web if I was Jeez, that's such an old phrase, isn't it? That's like a 1990s <laughs> yeah, phrase, surfing on the web. <laughs> um, but even if I was Googling something, whatever the 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 point or the 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 ideology of the article that I was reading or something at that time, and you know me, I'm quite broad ideolo- ideologically speaking, mm-hmm. um, and I'm trying to actually refrain from idea from sticking to a specific ideology. I'm trying to find my own. Um, mm-hmm. The, even the tweets that are coming up in my newsfeed and stuff and the people that are coming up are people who share similar dispositions to what I was just reading because mm-hmm. I feel that is or just is finding the information that I'm obviously that I'm how do I articulate this that I'm looking at online and yes. trying to find what they think I would be also interested in and that's also scary because I think that that's like you mentioned, do you think that it introduces you to new different types of mm-hmm. social circles and do different groups? Whereas I think the only one that properly does that, I think, is Reddit. I think okay. Reddit. I, okay. I think Reddit. So let me address that because I don't want to get distracted. So let me address that. So okay, the algorithm on Twitter is present, but it's not as aggressive on other as on other. Uh, social media sites so the algorithm on Facebook will be much more aggressive where you're gonna see you know you're gonna see posts that have a lot of likes and you're gonna see posts that are optimized by the machine learning machine learning engine to your specific interests on Twitter it's kind of less aggressive in the sense that you're gonna see you know first of all you have control over who you follow and yeah you're mostly going to see, like, if someone retweets something, there's a lot more control in the sense that if someone retweets something, their followers are probably going to see it. Whereas, you know, on Facebook, for example, if you share something that doesn't really mean anything, that's just a, that's just a hint for the algorithm to make something more, um, to give it more points, basically. But Okay. On, okay. on Twitter, on Twitter, retweets actually matter. Like, if you retweet something, people, people, people are actually going to see it. You know, not everyone because there's the algorithm. But through retweets, you see other people that people you follow know. So again, it's like a party. Okay. So you know, let's say, you know, you talk to Mike, and Mike knows Emily. Um, on Twitter, the equivalent of that would be you follow Mike and Mike retweets something by Emily. So if, and you know, of course okay. you're gonna, you, you're only gonna see things from that narrow perspective because you are in that social circle. So Mike is only gonna retweet things by Emily, but you know, obviously Mike is gonna associate with people who are similar to him. So Emily is gonna be similar to Mike. But then if you look, you know, if you look hard enough, then you have the occasional person who moves between the social circles. So, you know, maybe occasionally. Okay. And you know, Mike you, follows. Have Emily. you found then, have you found then Twitter to be like more reflective of like 
genuine kind of discourse when you look that way? Do you know, kind well, of more kind of well, more I mean, realistic it's, discourse? It's, it's still all fake, but it's it's the one that's most um, most it it um, it approximates real exchange of ideas the most, like compared to Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, you can actually okay. meet people on Twitter. Okay. Like you can actually like move between those social circles. So, you know, like a lot of people that I follow on Twitter, you know, I know from like my programming, you know, my software engineering friends, people from work and like stuff like that. Yeah. And then, you know, some like more political types that I follow, but, you know, I, I kind of got into like, you know, like there's a, there's, there's like a social circle on Twitter called money Twitter like people who figure out how to money, make money. Money Twitter. Yeah. So like okay. people who are into flipping and affiliate marketing and, you know, like drop shipping, you know, just any, any kind of okay. like, any, it, you know, stocks, any like investing, real estate, you know, anything like they're into making money. And okay. But so when I said I moved into some dark corners of Twitter, I meant that there's, like, so for example, I met, there's like a, there's like this specific, it really feels like a place, like this place on Twitter um, filled with Catholics and it's like Catholic <laughs> Twitter, but they all use pseudonyms. None of them use real names because, because, okay. you know, they have views, like they think, like a lot of them, like when I talked to them one-on-one, -on -one, they told me that they fear that they would be basically like banned from employment and stuff like that yeah if, yeah. if their yeah. views were exposed would these be people as you said who are using like different pseudonyms and different monikers than their own real life ones like do you think that's do you think that's a good thing like do you think people shouldn't like that people should be allowed to make what you might say is a fake profile so to speak well, I mean, I think they should be allowed to do it, you know, like again, maximizing freedom um, for that. Um, and then, you know, from the individual's perspective, on the other hand, I know for a fact, like I'm pretty sure most of these people live very stressful lives. If you if you have to worry mm -hmm. about like maintaining a double identity, like that's gonna be very stressful. Oh, so yeah. that, that's probably not good for them. I think they ultimately. Mm. I think they should be allowed to do it, but I don't think it's very good for them. Yeah, I see. I wonder. I wonder. On the flip side of that, I get that someone should be like, you know, they should have the freedom to do that if they want, and it's more of a kind of a a product of the system whereby that if they're not, for instance, if they are working in a corporate environment and if they express views that are not shared in the corporate environment, then if they were to expose their true their true um, identity via their tweet or Twitter, they could lose their job or they could mm -hmm. lose job opportunities or whatever the case would be. I think that for me, that's more of an issue. Whereas the other issue with, with that for me is that when people don't have to account for who they are on Twitter, it it incentivizes in some way i believe that volatility that yeah. lack of stability that yeah that not Even necessarily verbal, promoting verbal violence. violence 
well, verbal, yeah, verbal violence, well, if, if you can call yeah, it that. Yeah, like it's it's just it's a lack of civility. Like it's a lack mm. of people when people often react online. Um, people like have such a disdain and such a they have such a a strong moral viewpoint on things. Like it's funny. I was talking to my friend Paddy about this the other day, and he was like, he's like, lad, you can't you can't make any mistakes anymore. Mm. Do you know what I mean? In terms of what things that you say or things that you do, you can't make mistakes. Like, you know, because everything is fucking documented and you could say one thing and there, there will be a group of people who will jump on that mm-hmm. and absolutely criticize and say, you're a hateful bigot, you're, you know, X, Y, and Z. And that's like, that's not conducive to, po- that's not positive discourse, you know? So I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I, I'm, I think I'm going to have to manage, I think Twitter is something that I'll have to use, but maybe I'll have to, um, kind of be more I mindful mean, about honestly, who. Honestly, if you're just scrolling, and, if you're just scrolling, and I would just get rid of it. Like the only reason I have it is so I can get the message out. But if you're just scrolling, and like, do you not get enough news already? You know what I mean. Like everything's no. gonna. Like, no, are you not I, connected I, I, enough already? No, it, it's not about being connected. It's not about being connected. Not for me. Um. I've become very contented with being disconnected from certain things. But for me, I've always been interested in being connected in what's going on in, for example, US political discourse Mm -hmm. long before Donald Trump, long before, you know. Yeah, um, but that's what I'm saying. Something happens, someone's going to tell you like immediately because that's not Max, not when you not. Well, the only person, the only person that I've been seeing on a regular basis for the last two months is my mother. And the only thing my mother is seeing is fucking shit on Facebook and like, you know, things <laughs> on the Irish news. And, like we have a news channel, yeah. RTE, which is just like, it's full on. It's, there's so much propaganda and it's like, um, there's just so much propaganda that I've kind of, I think it's just lost a lot of credibility for me, to be quite honest. Um, and so I, I think the fact that we're not actually seeing each other, that people yes partially it is to stay to remain connected to be on twitter i do that mm-hmm. is true it is partially to remain connected but how healthy that connection is is something that i'm still uh that i'm currently kind of navigating that i'm like jesus is this actually like it, it only really dawned on me like last week or the week before i think and i was looking at it and i was like do you know what this the way people are interacting here this is not healthy this is not and not only is it not healthy it's not, I kept saying this to you, I don't believe that social media is reality. I don't believe mm. it's reality. I, and it's so new and it's so, um, it's such a new form of how people interact and it's become so prevalent so quickly that there's so many misunderstandings from everyone, us, Jack fucking... Dorsey, everyone, like, you know, people who work for Twitter, I don't think yeah. anybody has a full conceptual idea of the effect that this will have on, you know, just discourse between people, be it political, be it social, be it economic, whatever the case may be. Um, but I don't know. I just, do you not think that I, one thing I've noticed on Twitter is every people are becoming more and more entrenched in their views, whereas mm-hmm. the ideology that Twitter 
purports is for people to become more open-minded and to find alternative viewpoints to enlighten them. And I think that that's an idealistic way of viewing it. I don't think that that's what's currently happening. I feel that people are becoming more and more entrenched. And I think if you look at even just using America as an easy example to use, that like the American political discourse has become completely entrenched. There is no... There, there's no space for for understanding for kind of I feel like I'm going to sound like Joe Rogan now when he talks about <laughs> we have to have humanity and compassion and be nice to people but it's true he, he's right you know and he is right when he says that 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 there is there's an absence of that currently mm-hmm. you know and not like we were all prior to social media everyone got along no of course they didn't but this is it's really become amplified i think and i think twitter has a has a significant responsibility in that not the only one but absolutely not at all i think it's more just a you know it's it's i don't know i just well it's it's fucking i i I really think that it's just that information travels so much faster and like you're connected to more negativity now than you ever were before that's true the negativity is actually less now than it ever was the what? The negativity, like we've never lived in better times. We even well, we never have. We've never lived except, except for twenty twenty. That's that's been kind of rough, you know. <laughs> right, yeah, fair, but do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Broad, broadly speaking, human human suffering has tremendously decreased as a result over the even globally speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's a strange thing. In some ways, like, you know, there's less diseases, there's less, you know, poverty, there's less um, even crime, there's less crime in most places. Um, but, you know, then again, people seem more unhappy because, yeah. you know, actually happiness. It's, just yeah. so counter, it's so counterintuitive. Well, I mean, it is it is very clear. Like, if you if you if you actually study happiness, and like, when you realize that you know you have this like sense of meaning that you get get from going after goals, and like realizing like self actualization and everything, then it kind of makes sense, because even if things do get better, that means there's less struggle. That means there's less things to work on. And that means there is less fulfillment, there is less meaning, and that means people will be more unhappy. So th- does that right? mean the answer is uh, we should all we should all just devolve back to a hundred years ago and rebuild society up again? <laughs> well, Kierkegaard said that there will co- there will come a time where people will complain that things are too perfect, and they will want to. Yeah. Um, destroy everything did he did he did he he actually did he foresee that did he yeah in the 19th century quite a long time ago uh and he said so he's he he i know he he's um he was him and isn't it nietzsche that you used to talk about quite a lot Mm -hmm. as well like they're both they were both philosophers they were both philosophers they're two of um two of uh jordan peterson's Mm -hmm. um favorite favorite philosophers as well and he, he quotes them quite often and he references them um she's that, that there's a lot of foresight now i'd never actually thought about like because it's funny it, well do you know what max if it keeps going this way whereby the the better and better that things get 
in certain, for instance, Western societies, the more and more unhappy people get, then something will have to something will have to give. Oh, you're you take your time. Your your battery died, did it? John, can you say yeah. something now? You're okay. Can you can you hear me okay? I can. It's just there's a little bit of um this start and uh, it's okay. It does a bit of kind of sound interference. Yeah. Just a small bit. Yeah, so my uh my uh earphone just died. Um, um so I'm using my laptop speaker now. So it's 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 ma it's manageable anyway, it's manageable. Okay. Um do you know what Max? Do you know what Max? I really wish I was stoned right now. <laughs> I really wish I was stoned too, but I, so I'm doing Sober October. I'm not doing any alcohol oh, or, are you? or weed or anything for the whole month. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Good. It's a good idea. Have, have you, you, you don't drink that often anyway though, don't you know? No, but I miss, like when, when I haven't had anything for, for a week now and I'm starting to miss it now, like, you know, I oh, have yeah. these, I have these cravings. Like if I, if I listen to a song that, you know, like, I used to listen to while I was drunk or a song that talks about like drinking or something like that. And it brings back those memories. I'm like, fuck, I wish I had a beer now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get, I, I get that. So I get that. Sober October is, um, it's, uh, it's, it's proven. I know in Ireland, October is the month that is most synonymous with mental health issues. Mm. Um, because of the change in seasons. So a clinical psychologist told me that before. Um, because of the change in seasons so there's a lot of sad depression so it's mm. like a, a sad it's like a vitamin d deficiency um and it's you know it's one of the huge consequences of the change in the season to winter so it's one of the reasons why i i'm i suppose i'm glad i suppose that i've got a job now in october because october has always been synonymous especially for mm. myself as well of um my really my worst episodes of depression in my history have always been mostly been in October slash November time um so I'd say I know in Ireland like mental health services have are going to come under tremendous pressure tremendous like there's it there's so many what well, the one one of the biggest things that annoys me about COVID well not one of the biggest things but something that does annoy me is the people who think that COVID is everything and that yeah. other aspects of life are not suffering. Uh, they're not acknowledging, they're not acknowledging the, the collateral damage of the impact of COVID on all cohorts of society in various different ways. And then because the discourse has become so volatile on things like Twitter and whatnot, anyone who comes out and says, for instance, oh, sure, young people, fuck it, they're all just irresponsible shits, and um, sure, like they all need their 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 fucking snowflakes, millennials, and they just need to get on with things. <laughs> then, like that, you know, that kind of reaction, it it negates the genuine impact that it might cause. For example, in Ireland, right? Let's I'll just give you an example. 
if you think about it, say if I was in last year of high school or we call it secondary school in Ireland, you're 18, whatever. Yeah. You didn't do your leaving cert. You didn't do your final exams. You didn't get to see any of your friends. Yeah. You didn't have a debs. You didn't have a graduation mass. You didn't get, and then when you go, if if you went to college, then you didn't get to, to actually associate with new yeah. people and find new people. That's critical at that juncture to find the people. People are live. they're living in bubbles, like in, in universities and stuff in Ireland, they're living in bubbles where they're not like most classes have gone to online now. I think about 80% yeah. of them. Like, and then people are saying, oh, well, that's like, that That has to be done. That has to be done because that could cause one death. But it's like, come on, bigger picture thinking here, like COVID. And, you know, I think that that's part of how people have become so entrenched. So the people, when the whole pandemic started, there was a certain cohort that that kind of split between those who were kind of COVID, 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 and those people who were thinking about other cohorts of society as well, it became wider and wider and wider. And people aren't acknowledging the severity of the impact across all kind of wide ranges of society, even older people, like the mm-hmm. lack of socialization, for, or socialization has been proven to negate the effects of aging. Of so course. especially for older people, it, and like that, like for old people to just have to cook, cook to cocoon, that's not natural. That's not, and it's not healthy. It's not healthy. And it's one of the reasons why I'm not going to allow anyone to make me feel guilty for my social contacts. Um, I need socialization. I am an extrovert. I love talking to people. I find it very tough on my own. I'm lucky now. I'm going into an office. There's, one, there's about seven or eight people in the office. So I want to be able to bounce off everyone mm. and have the, have the crack with everyone and stuff like that. But, and I have a letter. So I'm technically an essential worker now as well. My boss sent, he sent me like a letter that mm. I have for transport because the restrictions in Ireland. Um, but like, I need that. I, I, I do need, I, I need that. I need that bit of people contact. Do you know what I mean? I, like I do. Um, and one, it was one of the big reasons why anytime I met up with a couple of my friends at the weekend, it wasn't going drinking that made me made me happier temporarily over the last two months. Mm-hmm. It was just being around friends and being around people in general and just being able to get outside my own head. Do you know what I mean? Because like I get very bored on my own. I do. I, I, I often get very bored on my own and I don't it, it, it can sap my energy quite mm. tremendously, in fact. So like you know, I just, yeah. I'm just I, I suppose I'm thinking big picture. There's a lot, there's a lot, and I'm I'm trust me, of all the people who've been affected by COVID, I'm in the very small percentile of people who've been severely affected. Very small. There's been there's so many cohorts of society, even people's businesses that have completely mm-hmm. gone under. So the pubs in Ireland, like they're all going like going to a, a pub. The pub in Ireland now is like you know it's more important than the church like it genuinely is yeah. it's more important than it's going more important than religion and like it, it just in terms of the social kind of standing it has and like there's so many publicans and pub owners that are fucked there's so many yeah. there's, there's a good few pubs even in my local town that are closing down now that they just they, they've completely gone under and i just i just feel that there has to be a little there has to be a bit more balance do you know yeah, what i mean i've only just started realizing that you know, as I became a business owner, I guess technically, you know, because yeah. I'm doing all this flipping. And, you know, now in my head, I'm thinking, you know, oh, if there's a second lockdown, all the charity shops are going to close down. How am yep. I going to get my yep. money? You know, and yep. like, and, you know. And could you imagine, Max, imagine that stress amplified if you were 
15 years older with two mm. kids away from a mortgage. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know what I mean? A mortgage on your house okay. and a rent to pay on your pub as well, right? Because yeah, like yeah. I, I, I do yeah. all my business from home, so that's easier for me. I don't have any mortgages, I yeah. don't have any kids, don't have student debt, don't have, um, you know. You don't have any rent, you don't have any business commercial expenses or anything. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Yeah, it's I true. Have, I don't have any employees, you know, like it's, it's easy for me. No. Um, and you're responsible you're and like at the end of the day i suppose like one part of your situation which is advantageous for you is the fact that deep down you know all if shit hits the fan all things come to worst you know that you the industries that you have expertise and knowledge in are still hiring and would mm -hmm. still hire you if necessary so if you have those financial burdens and worries, because financial stress is huge for people's psyche, it's huge, mm -hmm. then you know that, right, well, look, if this didn't work out, at least I do know, and if I couldn't afford to pay my rent, I could get a job mm -hmm. relatively easily. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Well, I mean, I can always and not get... That, not that you need to be, like, grateful for that. I can always get any job, you know, like, I can get just, like, a, like a minimum wage job. Anything that allows me to pay yeah. my bills because I don't need that much money. But, you know, like it, the, the discourse has become so polarized that like, I remember I knew someone who said, you know, we were talking about lockdowns and how, how lockdowns in the UK were introduced late and lifted early. And he was like, Oh, it's because in this country we, we care more about making money than we care about people's lives and it's like no i mean like some people just think that if you if you want to open up like if you want to lift lockdowns you must be like a greedy capitalist you know oh. you, you you only want to make more money and like it's like like have have these people met any actual business owners like 99% of business most owners of, most of them are struggling to, most <laughs> most business owners are not rich yeah they have a lot of responsibility not that much money yeah and you know they're just regular people like you and me who just want to make an yeah. honest living yeah yeah you know? and like i think it's that it's 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 that vilification of mm -hmm. people who want to remove lockdown is one thing that I have a problem with that vilification of people who are advocating for the sensible easing of restrictions. And yes, there was someone like I saw someone said, like, I don't know if you saw it in the UK. I'm, I'll send you the link. There's been a huge, um, there was a, there was, and it was, there was, um, about almost close to a thousand academics across multiple universities in the UK have signed this open letter to the UK government pleading with them to open up society for the non-vulnerable, mm. right? So that they were trying to promote the, you know, the opening up of almost all restrictions for them. And then for people who are in the extremely high vulnerable case, the cocoon. Mm. And then some some politician came out and said that's age-based apartheid. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, how over the top is that? I was like, it's not. This is a pandemic. Apartheid mm -hmm. was based on, you know, fucking 
ethnic cleansing and ethnic mm-hmm. superiority. This is about who who is unfortunately well, more exposed well, to the virus. The thing is, I wouldn't even be opposed to letting vulnerable people just make their own decisions. That's yes, the thing. If, if, make that's your it. own people, decisions. People, yeah. You know, exactly. Like if, if you, people, if you are, say, people like are saying like you should stay home, then go on, stay sorry. home. If you feel like you should go out, then go out. You know, like the the thing about like regulations, like like regulating regulating people's choices is that people feel they like if you if you like who do you like who do you tell what to do? Kids. You know what I mean? Like people who mm-hmm. people who you tell what they should do, they're kids. And if you talk about like adults, if you treat people like kids, then it removes that responsibility from them and then they start acting like kids. And there's this like weird That's true actually, Max. That 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 is true. So I'll give you an example. Like if you if you're like if you're like everyone sh- everyone must wear a mask in these specific circumstances, then people wear masks in those specific circumstances. Yeah. But they might not wear masks in other circumstances where they otherwise would just because they're going by the rule rather than what's actually yep. right. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not... Um, like, I'm, it's funny that you mentioned there about like people having the individual choice and treating people like children, like the effect that that'll have. Like, no, who's to say that all the people who are vulnerable want cocoon either? Now, I'm not saying that they want that they they all want to come out and party and that they're, they don't have a genuine, sincere and honest fear and a warranted fear of getting COVID. I'm not saying that. But who's to say that not all of them that, that, that there's not also a proportion of those people who want the choice to say, do you know what? I'm aware of the risks. I'm, I'm, I accept the risk that I can take of me going out and partaking in society and living. And I choose to accept those risks. Who is anyone to say that they can't do that? And if they can also do that, then why can't everyone do that? Do you know, why can't everyone mm-hmm. be given that opportunity is it people and people say, oh, people aren't to be trusted. Look at the house parties. Look at this. And I was like, but is that not more of a kind of a, uh, a reflection a, of society? Because that's a problem with you know, everything. Because, like you can make that argument about everything. You know, like you can you can say uh, there's people who come with crimes with knives. Do you want to like ban knives? Mm. You know, like you can say there's people yeah. who have. You know, there's people who have sex. Fire, fire, firearms in America. Yeah, firearms in America. People have unsafe sex and then end up with all kinds of problems. Like, do you want to ban sex? You know, like, do you want to, reg- <laughs> do you want to regulate basic, sex? They basically, they, be- they basically have. Have you seen Durex or qu- have come under trouble? Really? Why? Yeah, the, 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 sale, the sales of Durex have, have dropped dramatically. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> yeah, I guess they actually so. have for condoms. They, they, they actually have you to lack. Do you know, lack people not being in pubs and stuff. Most mm-hmm. people, especially in Western societies, get get fucking have sex when they're drunk, um, mm-hmm. especially if they're not in long term relationships. But um, 
there was something I wanted to say there about the responsibility thing. Oh, actually, like, have you seen, have you paid any attention to what's going on in Sweden? Uh, no. I mean, I know, I know they, so in they Sweden, didn't really have a lockdown. No. Yeah. So in Sweden, they brought in quite sensible measures. So mm-hmm. they mean they kept school going from the ages of zero to 16. 16 and older had to um, do online classes. Mm-hmm. They have allowed all shops and businesses to remain open at all times. They have not necessitated the need for wearing a mask in any public. They reckon there was a Swedish epidemiologist who said he reckons maybe one in 15 people wear a mask, but nobody mm-hmm. pays any attention to anyone who doesn't. It's just, it's a personal choice. And people have faith in, obviously in, in Scandinavian countries, they have more faith in their governments. Mm-hmm. Whether like Sweden is a very interesting example. They have a lot of faith in their government. So they don't, people don't, they feel a personal sense of self-responsibility. Mm-hmm. So people have been sensible. Now who haven't, Sweden were vilified when that first happened. They said, how you're a pariah state and, you know, they're like completely irresponsible. But if there is, I'm no immunologist and there's, I'm not going to claim to be, but if there is such a thing as herd immunity, then I would imagine more than likely they're going to be the ones to achieve it before any of the rest of us because they're allowing the virus to permeate into healthy cohorts of society so people can develop antibodies. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Well, I mean, like they, I, they have among the highest, I, they have among the highest death rates last time I checked though. So, you know, it didn't No, work. they're not in the highest. I don't know. Last time I checked, uh, they were- They like, had, they have about, they have, a, I, I think they've had, they've had about 5,000 deaths, I think, five or 6,000. Oh, 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 because in I, Ireland, I mean, I mean, I mean, per population, so like per million people, I think they had among the yeah, highest. Yeah, I, I, I think Sweden is a population, it's not much more than Ireland. It's not much more than Ireland. Yeah, it's a very small, it's a very small country. But if you, if you take, um, if you take, you know, number of deaths per million people, I think they were among the highest. Uh, well, do you, do you know where it's actually Spain, the highest? Do you, know, do you know where the highest is in Northern Ireland or the highest is in Europe? Uh, the, the, the absolute number of the UK. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, no. Pro, uh, proportion, proportionately. Uh, I think it was Spain last time I checked. Northern Ireland at the moment. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Northern yeah. Ireland is fuck. So, like, Northern Ireland is huge. So, Northern Ireland has a population of. Um, this is cases, not deaths. Mm. So Northern Ireland has um, a population of, I think, somewhere between 1.2 and 1.5 million people. Yeah, somewhere in like around that. that. Mm-hmm. And yesterday, yesterday they had a thousand cases. Really? <laughs> oh yeah, they have like they're like they're like double the amount of the Republic of Ireland, and the Republic of Ireland has about triple or quadruple the population of Northern Ireland. It's uh-huh. yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm just scaring you into going to Belfast. <laughs> You're just like shit. Maybe I'm not going to Belfast. Um, no, I, I actually because don't, they're, they're trying. I don't mind. The only thing I'm worried about is maybe they're going to close down. They're not going to let me in. Yeah, well, you see, the thing is, in Nor- Northern Ireland is obviously, as I tried to explain to you before, I tried to give you a little bit of history knowledge on Northern Ireland yeah. and the way it's part of the UK, but it's fucking it should be ours. Really, give us our six counties back. Um, but no, it's not, I'm, I'm not a staunch Republican. But so, 
um, obviously Northern Ireland is part of the UK, so they're abiding by UK protocols. Mm-hmm. But there's so much movement cross-border between Northern and Southern Ireland that they've tried to create some kind of a commission or some mm. kind of a you know, cross-border task force. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's not, I, I don't think it's working because Northern Ireland hasn't had a government for three years. So they've had, no? they have had no government, they've had no government, there's been no government in Northern Ireland for three years. How they've come? had a, what's called a devolved, what? How come? Why, why don't they have a government? So they have, they used to have what was known as a general assembly. So mm-hmm. it was a mixture of say, Catholic and Protestant communities, mixture of Catholic and Protestant parties. And then prior to the Brexit vote, there was there was a vote to um, to enshrine the, the the place of the Irish language in the in Northern Ireland. So to put say like um, in Osqualga an Irish language um, signposts and stuff in Northern mm-hmm. Ireland, and that was refuted then by the Protestant communities. And I can't remember the specifics of how it actually went down, but effectively they came to a stalemate politically Mm. and they couldn't actually have a consensus to run the assembly. So the politicians who were elected still um, were getting paid. They were still getting paid um, like for the last two or three years without actually having like taking votes on things and whatever. Mm -hmm. And they were just being run because two thirds of Northern Ireland is maybe about 60% of Northern Ireland is civil servants. It has a huge public sector infrastructure. Really? And so they were still being, it was still being paid for by, by London, like by mainstream UK. So they've had no political, at the one time when Northern Ireland has been at the, the crux of the Brexit issue politically and socially, they actually haven't had a say almost. Like it's, it's, wow. it's kind of bonk, it's quite bonkers to be honest. It's not something that's generally acknowledged, but yeah, they have what's called a devolved, I think it's a devolved assembly. So um, they have no I don't think it's to back pass yet, laws. They have no ability to pass laws. No, no. They, they still, they're not passing anything new for Northern Ireland specifically. Everything has maintained the status quo from before. Yeah. Because it's being still being run by Westminster by London, so to yeah, speak. Yeah, of course, of course. But like, you know, like, so yeah. for example, you know, Scotland has, you know, they have UK law, but they also yeah. have their own laws. So does that mean for the past three yeah. years there's been no new laws in Northern Ireland? Wow. Don't think so. Don't think so. Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit mad. It's a bit mad. Oh, it's, it's it, like to be honest, Max. It's so like it's so complex. I actually don't know what the the political tension is like up there at the moment. I'm curious because like it's funny. The Brexit's like they're trying. They're still trying to push through with Brexit. Uh, yeah. Like for and like. The uncertainty of the pandemic that that is like any business will tell you the biggest one of the biggest kind of um, barriers to making decision making in business is uncertainty. Mm-hmm. So everyone has had the uncertainty of the pandemic and now they have the uncertainty of Brexit to go yeah. with it. And it seems like Boris Johnson is going to proceed with that. And he's going, they're going to proceed. The, the Tories are going to proceed with Brexit um, by hook or by crook. And like Northern Ireland. Yeah, it's it's. Um, it's very. I, I actually, to be honest, I don't know because there's a lot of there's a lot of anti-Northern Irish sentiment in the south of Ireland mm. at the moment, and there was a there was a big documentary that came out there recently called "Unquiet Graves," and it was about the RUC Royal Ulster Constabulary, Constabulary 
and they were the um say the protestant police force and how mm-hmm. they targeted the killing of um say catholic republicans of i think about 80 of them and it was like you know i haven't actually seen it myself i've only seen the reaction to it mm-hmm. and there was the, the political parties in ireland so i'll give you a very quick rundown of in ireland at the moment the southern ireland we okay. have two political parties that have ever had proper power Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. For the last hundred, Ireland as a state has been around for a hundred years and they are a big boys club. Nobody else has had power. There's been sometimes major coalition, there's been coalitions with smaller groups. Labour mm-hmm. have gotten in an odd time, but never without the two of them. They have always been against each other. They've never been together. In the last election, which took place in February, I think, February. Yeah, it was February. Um, Sinn Féin, which are a Republican party, they would have had a lot of associations with the IRA. You've heard of the IRA, haven't you? Yes, of course. Yeah, so they would have had yeah. a, they would have had a lot of associations with the IRA. Um, they were kind of quite a left wing party as well. Uh, they are quite a left wing party, and they um, got the the highest votes. But they have then since been marginalised by the Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael in Ireland and mm. they're the ones who like it, it's a fucking big boys club I'm not a huge Sinn Féin or by any stretch of means but I hate the status quo and I hate that establishment it's pure establishment um, between Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael uh, in Ireland and there's a lot of what's known in Ireland they sometimes will call people a West Brit so it's quite an Irish term West so Brit. they call us a West West Brit, yeah. So you're okay. like a West. So it basically, it's it's a, it's an Irish person who has a certain affiliation or a positive sentiment towards British manners and British ways of viewing things. Mm. Um, and it's not necessarily derogatory. It's not anti-British. It's more so people anti-Irish. I believe in any case, it's the the people who are West Brit are anti-Irish as mm. opposed to anti-British. It's quite complex, to be quite honest. It's quite complex, but um, I, I I'm very curious because like, there's going to be a, like the third, there's there I'd say in the next ten years there'll be a full United Ireland. The the Northern Ireland will become part of the Republic of Ireland, even if you just judge it by census data. Mm. The Protestants are generally they are a lot of them are leaving, and the, there will be a majority of Catholics. And how they're going to amalgamate that into a full United Ireland, I'm very curious. But Anyway, that's their their issues that you probably have no interest in, but I don't I, know if you hear it because I would because... like to see that. You know, I would like to see a united Ireland, even though I don't know anything about. Sort of. I, I, I don't know anything about your history, but it just seems like, you know, you've got this like country split into. It doesn't really seem like it serves anyone. Um, and you know, no, like, well, so what's it like, doesn't, and it's very, it's very, it's it's complex. The Republic of Ireland is so much more rich uh, economically than Northern Ireland, so I think GDP. It is GDP. In it is if, if we were if we if if we were to the Irish people, if we were to accept a United Ireland, the South of Ireland, they reckon. Uh, economic studies from the Economic and Social Research ESRI uh, Institute of Ireland have rec- have expected us to, on average, to have to have about five thousand euros uh, tax hike. So we'd have to pay five thousand euros extra in tax per person, per mm. person uh, working, per person at the labour force, because of the discrepancy between our GDP and their GDP, because mm. they are so 
but they have a great public sector infrastructure because the UK has a great public sector yeah. infrastructure. Down south, down south in Ireland, it's shit. Like we don't have, there's not one single underground train in Ireland in the in the Republic of Ireland. We have no, our public sector. They have cut all. They're privatizing all of the bus routes in in Ireland. Like they are, they are all. They've they, already done that the in the UK. Like all the buses are private in the UK. Yeah, right. but public, but public sector, uh, they they are most of them. They are, yeah, but you still have not all, the the train services. Scott Rail, like in Glasgow and that, they that's, weren't. That's, that's, that's public sector. I think that's, that's public. Are you sure? I think they privatized it, everything. I don't think there's a single. Oh, you told it was public. Yeah, it used to be public, and then I think Tories made it. Um, they privatized the railway system. That's when the prices went up. Like it would make sense. It would, it would make sense. They 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 have they have tried to privatize all mm -hmm. of the public sector infrastructure. But like I know, obviously, the UK has a much bigger population. So because they have much bigger population, there's much more of a necessity for good public tra public mm -hmm. transport infrastructure. But in the Republic down here, it's absolutely shite. So I, it'd be interesting to see how they would mix if the if Northern Ireland and the Southern Ireland actually rejoin. But uh, yeah, it's complex. It's there's a lot of there's like there's not there's not a huge desire in the parts of the Republic where I'm from for United Ireland. Mm -hmm. Not at all. Uh, it's only in it's only in kind of certain parts down in southwest of the Republic of Ireland, west of Republic of Ireland, and then all the border counties like in say like also Northern Ireland is six counties, but mm -hmm. Northern Ireland is part of the province of Ulster, which is nine counties. So there's three counties, Donegal, Cavan, and Monaghan, which are in Ulster, but they're mm -hmm. not in the Republic of Ireland. So they're right on the border, but it's so there's like huge cross-border travel. So, and so, stuff hold on. so, so Northern Ireland is six counties. So what about the three? Yeah. Those three counties, which countries? So there's Northern Ireland. So our, the, the, the island of Ireland is split into four provinces. Mm -hmm. um, Leinster, Munster, Ulster and Connacht each of which Leinster has 12 counties Munster has 6, Connacht has 5 or 6 and Ulster has 9 mm -hmm. but then Northern Ireland is like a subset of Ulster so all of Northern Ireland is in Ulster but mm -hmm. not all of Ulster is in Northern Ireland <laughs> so it, okay. yeah it, it there's like three counties which are just on the periphery. They're just yeah. outside of Northern Ireland. Um, so like those counties, like they're, they're, they're actually like they, the businesses there are just absolutely fucked because they are, they can't control COVID numbers. They can't do local lockdowns or anything. They can't do anything because of the cross-border travel and you can't shut down that border. It's just impossible. There's 157 border crossings across between the two of them or mm. is it more? Something like that. It's ridiculous. And they also then they're going to have the added uncertainty of Brexit. So I, I don't know. I just think, I'd, I don't know, Max, I think the whole the whole thing is fucked. <laughs> well, I mean, it seems like the solution will be to unite. But with any change that's this big, it's just going to take time. And like, there's just too many yeah. regulatory issues that would have to be sorted out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I yeah, just, yeah. I think I, I do think... I do think it will. I do think it will happen. I just don't think it will for, for, for a number of years. I think it, it'll it it'll 
it won't be for another couple of years anyway. It won't be for another few years. But there, well, there'll like, be so many unforeseen issues with it. Think about what's happening with Brexit. Like, that's a change. Yes, exactly. Whether you're for Brexit or against it, like, you can see how difficult it is to actually execute it. And I think Absolutely. it will be the same. And there's, 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 there's difficulties that people didn't foresee. Yeah. I think uh, there was... Yeah, a, that, there was that, a, in Sweden, they used to have uh, they used to drive on the left side of the road, and they switched to the right side, and they didn't foresee that they would have to change the buses, the bus stops. So on the day oh. they changed, all the bus stops were still on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> so the buses, the buses just happened to cross over traffic. Yeah, Why no one, fuck? no one thought about that. Did anyone changed. <laughs> Why would they change? I don't know. Like for consistency. Yeah, that's true. Well, what in the UK is the UK? UK is the same as as the Republic, isn't it? You drive on the left. Yeah, the left hand yeah. side. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Is it Amer- America is the right hand side of the road? Everything is the right, the right hand, the right hand side, except the UK and Ireland and Australia. Like that's the only exception. All right, so so we're 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 the ones the who are different. Yeah, you're the weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> I'll accept. I'll accept that. Usually, I'm always saying, "Why the fuck do the Americans have to be different, not us?" <laughs> uh, that's yeah. fair. Oh, actually, Max, just to say something about actually, um, funnily enough, about America. So I, I, I'm not passing judgment. I know I've always, I've often been very critical of American institutions mm-hmm. and corporate tyranny of power and stuff. Um, talking to you before but um, one of my friends uh, from here was telling me something about one of his American friend that I thought if you heard that you'd be like what the fuck so he has an American friend mm-hmm. and uh, you know he has he's been living in Ireland and because he's now so disillusioned with his country that he has renounced his US citizenship wow <laughs> I was like, I actually said it to my friend Alex. I was like, do you know what? I wonder could someone purchase that off me? I have a friend who might want to purchase it. <laughs> you know, um, I kind of yeah. became like in the last few months, I, I guess, especially after talking to you, I kind of became more disillusioned with the US, especially after I saw the recent news stories and everything. Um, yeah. I mean, I still, you know, like it's still my favorite country, and I just—it's funny after talking to you, I've kind of gone the opposite way in some ways. <laughs> well, but you've never been there, right? In in America? No, 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 I've never been. But I think I've become less. I think you opened my mind to how the biggest thing you opened my mind with regards to US is yes, it has its issues, mm. but show me many systems that are actually better in terms of personal freedoms in in, mm-hmm. in many cases do you know what i mean well um, what, what I'm and i was is, america seems like historically america worked quite well because you had personal freedom but you also had people who were willing to take responsibility and form communities and yeah. do you know like you talk about collectivism in america this collectivism comes from the person Right, it comes from the people. It yeah, comes it comes from, from the. It comes from that individual. Yeah, like you, like you said, that individualists are actually collectivists in many ways because they want to yeah. influence what is specifically around them, their yeah. community, yeah. their people that they engage with on a day-to-day basis. And one. that's true. Yeah. They always had that responsibility, and they had the incredible work ethic to build and cultivate these communities, these thriving communities. But unfortunately, that's just not the way 
the system is anymore. It's yeah. you know, it's just become well, much what more. What I'm worried about is that I'm really, really worried that this is kind of dying and that there's a new growing generation which doesn't share those principles. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and also the systems that is, that is... are corrupted. And, you know, I'm especially worrying about like just people, a, a new generation that isn't raised on those principles. It's raised on a different That's true. Principles. I actually, you know what? I, I can I can completely understand that. To be quite honest with you, I genuinely can because I do think that the there is a new generation, and not just ones like twenty and younger. Even I'd say that this illusionment goes farther up mm. into your mid thirties and forties and stuff. Um, that that disillusionment and that estrangement from typical American values, coupled with the complete whatever one thing nobody can dispute is that there is a pure corruption and mm -hmm. you know economic corruption in america of its institutions um i think that those two factors are definitely going to lead to a very difficult america a very different america which is like my honest opinion and i was saying this a few of my friends that i would consider relatively well enlightened in the case and they're not completely pig-headed um, or completely just oblivious to some of the things that are going on, reckon that America is going to a civil war, mm. be it implicit or explicit, but it is, it's it's going to a civil war. And I don't, uh, it could be long-term, it could be short-term, I don't know how, but there's both a culture war and an economic warfare going mm. on. There is, there's, and it's, it's going on actively. It's huge, people of different, um, people on, di on different sides of the coin. And it, you know what? It's not something that, even though I always had issues with America, and particularly more so than anything, the American Empire, mm. but that's just with well, empire in general, but the American Empire, because it's the one for the last, whatever, 80, 90 years, I don't want to see the, the people in the country completely crumble because there is a spirit and a spirituality in Americans that you don't find in many other mm -hmm. places. And even like a lot of people might label, for instance, say Republicans as racist and conservative. Well, they are conservative, but yeah, racist conservative. or you know, bigots. And but that's not necessarily true. A lot of them are just actually quite spiritual. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? A lot of them are quite spiritual, and they have their fundamental beliefs in their family, their friends, their faith, their communities, and so on and so forth. And yes, of course, that there is certain. It's not necessarily progressive. But it's not a reason for it's not a reason for anyone to completely victimize or sorry, not victimize, vilify them. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? They're still just people with with values that whilst they might not be your own progressive, I use progressive in inverted commas because a yeah. lot of the, the radical left progressive ideas that are being ported at the moment are not progressive. But yeah, they're not I just I don't like the I don't like the vilification of those people because I'd say a lot of them are actually good people. Mm-hmm. And, well, and that's coming from me. I, I'm an admitted left wing. I'm an admitted left wing guy. You know, I'm quite progressive. I'm quite mm -hmm. libertarian. I, you know, I'm quite anarchistic in many ways. But I still don't think it's right to vilify those people. Well, it's if you if you think that, you know, if you think that all conservatives are racist, you know, you're basically thinking fifty percent of the population is racist, and then that kind of sets up sets up the stage for a civil war, really. I mean, if you're gonna, and that's what's happening. Mm, yeah, that's what's that is, it is. That is that is what's happening. There's 
there's like there's been there's huge militia groups, left wing militia mm-hmm. groups that are forming at the moment. And you see what's what's funny is the other way like the left in America have are dominating the social agenda. So the the social liberals and the, the political wokeism, so to speak, mm-hmm. in America is becoming huge, you know. But it's funny, it's really weird because on the opposite side, I think economically it's becoming more right-wing and that it's becoming less egalitarian. Mm. So it's just, it's such a strange dynamic that I, I can't, it's hard to put your finger on it because businesses are becoming more powerful. They're mm-hmm. uh, amalgamating more power and people, the discrepancy, the yeah. inequality is rising tremendously. That mm-hmm. it's funny how socially everything is seemingly becoming more left-wing, but yet economically it's becoming more right-wing. I just, it's quite, it's an interesting analysis and it's something that's not necessarily, it's not often kind of picked up on, you know, in social media or anything like that. Or not even in social media, in kind of in, in any mainstream media. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, income, I've been thinking about income inequality a lot lately because imagine you're a small business. Let's say you sell, mm-hmm. don't know, you sell packaging materials. So, mm-hmm. and let's say you were, you were a business selling packaging materials in the 1950s. So maybe there were five of you in the town and, you know, let's say you were very good. So people kind of came to you as opposed to the other four businesses. So maybe you got like 80% of customers. So now, you know, let's say a typical Patrick packaging business makes like a, you know, a hundred thousand a year or something, just made up number. So because you're so good, you would get like half a million a year, right? So you, get, you would okay. get a lot more money. But now in 2020, if you're very good, you, there's, you can go on the internet and then it's no longer five businesses in town. Now it's 5,000 businesses in town because you can go on the eBay. And you, if you're a business, you have to mm-hmm. compete with everyone. So that means, yeah, competition is intensified tremendously. So that means the business that's the most successful, let's say you you know you're you're better than the other four thousand nine hundred ninety nine businesses, you're gonna be so Amazon, good. Google, those kind of ones, yeah. You're gonna be so good that you're gonna grow so big that you're gonna basically oppress everyone else. You're gonna have so much money that it's just gonna knock everyone out of the out of the game. So that's I, true. That actually makes sense. That makes sense, Max. That because they think because they be, we, it's become so we've become so economically prosperous, and has become you know they, we we're no longer we're competing on such a globalized international level that the, inevitably there was always bigger companies or more successful companies mm-hmm. or ones who did better things to make more money. It's now just the case that the ones that are doing so well because it's so globalized and because we're so interconnected that it is, they've literally become so big, but, and invariably they're by them being successful, it's going to oppress others, but there's Mm -hmm. just, I suppose. Well, so what what I want to talk about is speaking about income inequality. Like that's a huge, Oh, sorry. Yes. That's a huge factor driving income inequality. And then, you know, how do you, there's like almost no way to deal with that because you're not going to go back to like, pre-internet times so no and I, that is it, it, it is it is a huge factor but i can hear and i can hear like a fire brigade or an yeah. ambulance going past it or 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 the police um, 
you know, in this neighborhood might be, oh, please, might be more true. likely. <laughs> but anyway, hide, 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 hide your vape. <laughs> like, do you think, though, do you, do you think, Max, though, that whilst that is a factor, a big factor in those companies, right, being so successful that they're, they are, you know, they are, what's the word, um, oppressing other companies, mm-hmm. so to speak, for want of a better term. Um, do you think that, I don't know even what I'm trying to say here, because, like, there's a lot of workers who work for those companies, right? If that, mm-hmm. if there's no, no way, a lot the workers who work for a lot of those workers who work for those companies are they themselves in the mm-hmm. very low income bracket? The ones who mm-hmm. are, you know, work to the absolute bone, particularly Amazon. They're the one that have a, I have yeah. a particular gripe with. They are worked to the absolute bone. I would fuck all fucking remuneration or pay in return. Yeah. And some of the policies, some of the policies that are being implemented in some of these companies, which have these companies have become so big that let's call a spade a spade. There's not much of a distinguish this this distinguishment between those companies and the state anymore. There's just not. They yeah, have, that's that's what a, I was driving at. So I was actually going to say, you know, so when the founding fathers set up America, you know, one of the like the main objectives of the constitution was the recognition that the government can become so powerful that it starts to oppress people and then yeah you know so they set up the constitution in a way that limited the government's power but then yep they didn't foresee that private corporations could become so powerful because they there were no private corporations like uh, you know like maybe like that's true actually that is that's true so yeah uh, yeah that's america, true because like the, 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 the america has very go good america has very good legal provisions for keeping the government in check like there's the balance of powers you know there's you know there's judges and you know there's the president and there's the constitution you know the first amendment everything but it doesn't have any provisions for keeping corporations in check right that is true because because, because that, america is such a so individualized because and they that, believe they have so their values are so because that go on, sorry that didn't exist back then you know nothing like that exists then, that then. Just go, does, does that not go to show max that they need they need a few more like american constitution is great but maybe they need a few more amendments maybe i mean maybe you know like not that he, not that either of us are legal scholars but you know what i mean like like you know maybe they need a few more amendments for the curtailment yeah. of private because it's becoming an oligarchy mm-hmm. it is becoming an someone there was a guy called chris hedges who's a really good um he's one of my favorite journalists now he does have his own left-wing agenda absolutely he used to work for the new york times mm-hmm. he used to work on say in, uh, international kind of war zones for years and years and he's kind of been marginalized by mainstream society not mainstream society so mainstream media mm-hmm. Um, for years now, but he's still very articulate and very informative. And he said, it's funny, basically, the US election at the moment, you have a choice between two uh, cheeks of the same arse. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he said, between then, between Joe Biden or Donald Trump, he said, you can vote for Donald Trump and, cons- and uh, consolidate oligarchic power, or you can vote for Joe Biden and consolidate oligarchic power. 
It's just they say different things, but they're mm. going to have the same. But the the, the the way of life is going to be the same. And it's very true. Well, what I don't I don't really even want to go into like Joe Biden. Joe Biden kind of pisses me off, but <laughs> Joe Biden pisses Joe Biden pisses me off a lot. <laughs> you know why? Because like he seems so nice. Like the the persona of Joe Biden is like a nice old guy. Like you know Trump. You know Trump is just like you know he. He he just wants to do bad things to you. I'm this like nice. Old yeah, he just guy. wants to watch the world burn. And Joe Biden, yeah, yeah, is yeah. The, he's the go, he's the holy grail <laughs> of American democracy, of American wholesome yeah. values of diversity and inclusion. It's a lot. He was the one who, when he he's the one who's had the political career of fifty years. In which case, he has done more damage to black mm-hmm. communities. He's the one who is. Who signed off? He was the one who introduced the bill under Bill Clinton, which uh, brought the three strikes and you're out rule. You know, three strikes, yeah. um, mm-hmm. for, uh, and then you get no parole. In yeah. he was the one who, like, he's, he's he's been he's been involved That's in so crazy. many writing of policies which are anti-black. Isn't it mad though how easily how much does just such a collective narrative that that becomes engulfed that mm-hmm. people buy into it. And the main, the, just the vast majority of people will buy into what uh, the shit that's been shoveled down their fucking throat. Like Joe Biden is literally absolutely. And now I am not a Trump supporter. You know I'm not a Trump supporter, but mm. I am absolutely not a Joe Biden supporter either. Um, by any stretch of means, um, uh, I do think America probably in the next election, the next one will probably have. Not necessarily a third candidate to be successful, but a third candidate have gained quite a lot of momentum. There'll be a third Kanye party, West. third candidate. There'll have to be Kanye West. No, no, I, they won't be. They won't be celebrity based. I don't. I, I fucking I, hope I know, not. I know someone who claims he talked to Kanye and he talked to people around Kanye, and he knew Kanye right. was going to run for president uh, because he talked. Really? To him. Yeah. And he supports him and he thinks he's the best. Imagine candidate. he was just there, like smoking weed with Kanye West. And Kanye just like, run for president, man. And he's like, nah, no, does, you're not. Does, just shut up, man. Would you? Does Kanye smoke weed? Yeah. I don't think he does. I actually, no, he's, bi- he's bipolar. So I really hope he doesn't. Mm. <laughs> I hope he doesn't. That's, if you're bipolar, smoking weed can be really bad for you. Um, what you call it? I don't know. I just, I, I to be honest, it's funny. I think. Like, I do think, unfortunately, I think there's there's a lot of hard the hardships in America are only beginning in many ways. Um, yeah, I, unfortunately, I, like I'm really worried mm. on, on a personal level because you know you know like the respect I have. Yeah, yeah, because you what you love you love American you love because you I love those Western like I literally want yeah, to live and you there. love those Western ideals. And you don't want to live in a country that's completely at war with itself. Yeah, I just don't want to live in a country where. You know those ideals are lost. Like I don't want to live in a country that goes to shit. You know what I mean? Like just on a personal level. Yeah. Like, I don't want. I don't. I don't want any part of that. Yeah, yeah. No, I get and I, I get mm. that. I I get that entire. I I genuinely I think like that. There's that's completely understandable. I think maybe if and when you're fortunate enough to move to America, that's uh, you can be part of the. A part of no, not part of the anti. Don't join a militia. That's all I ask. Don't, <laughs> don't join a militia, or, or don't don't start don't start a cult. Um, 
what's called. Um, but you know, maybe you could be you could get involved in trying to be a, a speaker for for the traditional American values and try to use your your sense of logic mm-hmm. and rationale and reason to appeal to a small cohort of people, build up your base, so to speak. So say in terms of influencing people. Mm-hmm. So you're very like you you're obviously extremely logical, you're extremely rational, but and you're probably becoming more and more articulate of your ideas. Mm-hmm. So if you were able to reach through things like this or whatever, if you were able to reach more um not necessarily like-minded people, but people who also share a similar um, worry about mm-hmm. the degrading of the American principles. And if you can show them why they are such good principles in principle, but how they've kind of been taken out of context in many ways, and they've been mm-hmm. taken out of, um, they're not being, they're not, they're, there's a new generation growing up without them. Be using all your sources that you can, Nietzsche, Jordan Peterson, whoever, you know, whatever will help mm-hmm. to, use your message i think that that's that'd be that'd be a positive thing to do um just just don't just don't start a cult though max don't start a cult. <laughs> <laughs> i've actually um off topic for a moment if, if i don't okay. uh, you know jim jones uh the guy who had that cult he made people like drink some poison or something in south america yeah yeah he got yeah him, yeah, yeah. He, yeah so he got them like that's where the phrase there's a phrase like don't drink the kool-aid yeah, it means yeah. like don't swallow yeah, the propaganda yeah. mm-hmm. so he got like 850 of them to do it in jonestown but he was around for 20 30 years mm. so there's this podcast the guy that i follow on twitter ewan mckenna an irish journalist and he shared this podcast series it's, there's like a thing called if you google radio jonestown and mm-hmm. they have 10 one hour podcasts with this narrator who was the researcher of it um that um mixed with say original footage of him preaching to people in the fucking mm. like uh in the choirs and stuff so it's all it's like it's all like 1960s radio footage but you hear him and you hear how people how he like the incredible way he used to like fucking he'd speak to a crowded audience like, mm. and it's like i'm watching you i see you in the back not watching me and like he <laughs> it was just it's it's nuts like the mind control tricks they used to like he was in brazil there, there's a lot of credible evidence apparently that he was involved with the cia whilst mm. he was working that whilst he was down in brazil um but it's just fucked up i've always been fascinated by the jonestown massacre like and he like he was a strange strange child as i'm sure you can imagine he mm-hmm. was a very strange child and he had like he's always had but he had like weird he had an incredible oratory speaking you know and oratory skills mm-hmm. um but and he like he was a he was extreme left-wing like ex- if you think modern day left-wing people are radical this fellow was like full communist like he was trying to get him from the growing decay of society and most of them were poor black people from impoverished mm. say new people who've moved from the deep south after the civil rights movement up to the northern cities and stuff in america and like people followed him i did i thought he was only like a quick term like fad for like mm. Do you know, it all happened in a couple of years because nowadays that kind of thing would only happen so rapidly because information travels so quickly. But sure, he was around. He was an ordained church minister in Indiana from like 1950, and it didn't happen till like 1978 or 77. Mm. Well, like he I was around. He was on the CIA's takes radar for years the- to build a following. So it's know. crazy, man. And then, like they forced, they force fed the Kool Aid down people. But if you, if you ever want, if you're ever. What, no, it's dark. It is dark. So don't listen to it. What, what happened to him? 
uh, you know, to him? Did he kill himself? He 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 shot himself. He shot himself. Uh, but there's some like conspiracy theory. There's some conspiracy theory that he didn't actually shoot himself. That it was like maybe, the CIA. Maybe there is. I after all. But you know what? It wouldn't surprise me because the CIA have been in some <laughs> nasty, yeah. nasty, nasty shit. Uh, I'm I'm convinced that CIA had a big part to do with 9-11. I am. Really? I am. Call me a tinfoil hat conspiracy. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, genuinely, it's probably it's probably a bit late. It's probably a bit late in the evening to go into to, to 9-11. We should uh, I would definitely uh, do it. We should do this more often though, Max, in mm-hmm. terms of more podcasts. Oh I, I think I think um, how well, how well, first of all, I, I think you're gonna. Go on, be, sorry. I think you're gonna be a regular. I think people are gonna like you. The 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 three listeners okay. that are listening to this. I think. I think that. Also, like this has been longer than any other episode before. Like, is it? Is there? Is there three people listening? I don't. I don't know how many. This is just a random number. All oh, right. But how? Uh, what? What way are you actually sharing them? Uh, it's on YouTube and it's on Spotify and it's on iTunes. And, you, you, know. you must send me a link to it because I might <laughs> I might show one or two of my friends. I might show it to a few of my friends. Yeah. Um, see, um, there's there's a couple episodes. The I did an episode with a guy called Devin Devin Byrne. Uh, okay. He's a modern day mystic. So he's okay. he's a he's a he's a strange guy. He's a modern day mystic. So he's. Um, oh, I remember you telling me about that. I yeah, remember you yeah. telling me about that. He's he's from America, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I'm just fascinated because, like, you know, you can induce mystical experiences by giving people, um, you know, LSD, mushrooms, DMT, and so on. But there are people who have those experiences just naturally. And yeah, he seems to be one of them. He's capable, and does he? Is he like? He's did he have to learn the skill of how to induce those experiences? Well, uh, apparently he had inclinations for it since early childhood. Like, oh, like he would like he would be inclined to like chant, you know, repeat phrases like in his mind, you know, kind of like meditation. You know, meditation. You kind of focus on the breath. He would like focus on, you know, repeating central mantras. Like that would just come naturally to him. He didn't like learn that from anywhere. He just was doing that in the same way, like okay. So he had like he had like a natural disposition yeah, for yeah. it. But but he also learned a lot from, uh, you know, reading like the Tao Te Ching and uh, um, a course, course of miracles. That's another like a spiritual text uh, from the twentieth century. So, um, and he has. Could... I'm sorry. Has has he has he been on it? On what? On your podcast, yeah, he's been on the podcast and actually doing. I'm I'm doing okay. a course, a Udemy course with him, on the Dalai Chain. A what? A Udemy course, you know Udemy, the platform, no the online course platform. No. So it's like a people sell courses and stuff on it. Uh, so okay, we're making a course where we're gonna have, uh, you know, it's basically him talking about the every person the Dalai Chain, and I'm just like asking questions and you know challenging him. When, yeah yeah that's it when are you do when are you doing that oh we've already recorded like five episodes so, oh very good so very gonna, good it's good it's will you gonna, 
you must you must uh, sorry is this is this being uh, live streamed this podcast or do you have to like edit it and then upload it uh well there's not much editing to be done so no there's not hopefully uh it's gonna go online on monday just okay send 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 me the link then when it does okay i'll i'll definitely send you a link do and i i i'd actually i'd hap- i'd happily go on more podcasts as well even if you want we could we could uh we could have specific topics that we could discuss either before beforehand either. I, I actually, I really don't mind because one of my friends is on about this doing a podcast with me, but a very, very different podcast. He wants to talk about Irish sport, Irish okay. GA sport. <laughs> so that that's, a, that's he wants to start a sports podcast with me because we have big arguments about Irish sport. Um, the GAA, it's hurling and football. Never mind you, me and you. That's one thing we'll never have a mutual interest <laughs> in sport. Yeah, what, what, my, what you... my sport is like you and technology. When when you said your friend was going to do a podcast, in my mind I was like, oh, I should get him on my podcast. And then you said sports, and I was like, okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> nope, not happening. Um, come here. I'm probably going to have to let you go because there's the Ireland game, actually, mm-hmm. the Ireland football game. I, in fairness, I actually there was a big match on tonight, and I've kind of been only half watching beside me, but it's it's going to penalties. Um, so I'm okay. probably going to I'm having a watch that. And um, it's been good chatting with you. All right, thank you, John. Thanks, everyone. No worries. Have a nice evening, Max. Have a nice evening. Bye-bye. I'll see you later. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.